Sunday evening. Your regularly scheduled chair shot podcast is in fact back in its regularly scheduled time slot. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by our ever dependable co-host. First of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Good evening, everybody. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. Hello. 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 Uh, excuse me, lads. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering if you could uh, bang that drum a little bit during this song. I don't know. I don't know if that's what they say. I haven't watched it. So, you know. It wasn't even a proper Scouse accent. Uh, yeah, I don't know what, what that was supposed to be. Anyway, it's it's why why embarrass myself with a Scouse accent when I have my beautiful Limerick brogue? Yeah, um, I've been watching the Beatles documentary, if anybody's watching. If, if anybody's wondering why we're doing... Oh, it's me, John Lennon, from the Beatles. That's even worse. I did a better impression off the air. I, I, I haven't watched it, and yet... This is uh, it. Must be incredibly successful because this is this is the first show in quite a while where I felt like um, opinions about it are a pox on my life and I can't escape them. Um, What like it just feels like it's one of those shows. And the Beatles have always been, you know, in our lifetime have been somewhat divisive because we either think they are the greatest of all time or they are the single most overrated thing ever created. And now we have this sort of beautifully restored, ponderous documentary about oh look at the strings this is why they putter about the studio oh isn't it marvelous and i'm just like oh i have no interest in watching this but for some reason the entire rest of the planet is watching it um but listen, i'm looking forward to hearing what paul has to say about it in telly off later don't get me don't get it twisted lads i can't wait well, well that's the first point is is it telly or is it a film i think it's telly it's it's well because it's not like because it's barely like what is it it's literally just a bunch of uncut footage really isn't it like tied together in some way well that's what documentaries tend to be Barry. Yeah, they're not interviewing you, they, yeah. they, they don't have talking heads and they're not you know weaving a narrative it's basically just a bunch it's just a bunch of footage isn't it pretty much yeah lovingly anyway. recreated by peter jackson and his team of fucking make everything look modern for some reason Hobbits. even though it's from the 60s what's wrong with you make it look yeah. like it's from the 60s yeah i'm not sure if i love that or don't but again i haven't watched it so i don't know but the clips i've seen of it it's like but it does look good but I, it's weird it's jarring you, you you wouldn't confuse it for current footage would you no, no no anyway we'll get to that um we've got a, a, a stacked absolutely stacked run sheet uh, of, of things to get to this week uh, so I suppose we'll uh, we'll we'll jump in to the uh, uh, the life guff. Um, it is of course Christmas party season. We uh, oh, yeah. I know someone here uh, uh, for the for the life guff. They have noted down they want to talk about their Christmas party. I had my first cancellation of the season, baby. The first one to go kaput. Uh, that was not due to any kind of uh, restriction or 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 or, or a sort of law based uh, change in in the way that that was organised. Uh, uh, just a, a good old fashioned. Tons of people pulled out last second, uh, and so I was like, "All right, well, okay, fair enough." Uh, that was a bit of a bummer. I found that out. Uh, I it was, it was it was a work related thing. It was one of two work related things that had been organized, and I found this out the day of the party, about three hours before I was supposed to finish work on Friday Whoa. and start getting ready to go out. So, you know, I had a nice lazy night in. It wasn't the worst thing in the world, but that was a bit of a bummer. But anyway, it's not all it's not all doom and gloom bad news, lads, because um Saturday I was lazing around the apartment, um, you know, doing nothing. Got a little buzz buzz on the on the phone, picked up an email, right? Email from the folks at the National Lottery. Ew. Okay. I did the I did the lotto this week. 
Um, Ireland, we haven't talked about this. Ireland's currently in the midst of a like front page news in, in between COVID doom and gloom. We're like, uh, there's like investigations going on to see if our lotto is unwinnable because the jackpot hasn't been won in about 50 weeks, I believe it is. What? Um, and yeah, and so they're like, uh, so I don't know what triggered it. But basically, someone just you know in, in, in government is like, uh, what's going on here? This is what, what's <laughs> happening? Uh, so that's being looked into. Uh, yeah, it was genuinely front page news there a few weeks ago. But uh, excuse me, hello. That just means the jackpot's even bigger, baby. That just means there's more to win when I buy my ticket. Hello. So I'm super rich. So I got I got an email. I forgot I forgot I did it. Got an email on on uh, Saturday evening. Very ominous from the national lottery people. They go, Barry, you've won. But for privacy reasons, we can't tell you in this email how much you've won. So please log into the website or go on the app. I use the app and see what you got. And I was like, right, this is either I've got a free ticket or I'm a bajillionaire. Um, uh, I'll I'll, I'll let you in on the spoiler right here. I'm sitting here doing this podcast. So uh, take that. Take that for what you will. Um, this podcast, of course, being my day job, uh, you know. Um, so I logged in and I did, in fact, win 13 euro on a lotto ticket, uh, which is not bad. Um, a lotto ticket you would spend 14 euro on. Uh, you're actually not wrong. I spent, uh, I, I think I spent 15 quid on lotto tickets this week because I was really stressed at work and I really desperately wanted to win. So I was like, I have to win this unwinnable lottery. <laughs> so I actually did win less than I spent uh, on the ticket, which was funny. But I was like, hey, listen, that's more than I've won in, uh, I think previous to this, I'd only ever won like a free scratch card or whatever. So I was like, all right, I'll call that a win. I'll call that a win. I spent it back on lotto tickets. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cash. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. I, I'm playing the game, Paul. I'm playing the game, okay? The house right. always wins, Barry. Yeah, <laughs> and why I want a house. That's what I'm doing here. Because <laughs> um, I was like, I'm not, I cannot be harsh cashing out that tenor to, to you know, buy, I don't know what with it. Put it towards another Xbox hard drive. Um, but yeah, so that was the, the highs and lows of this week for me. Um, uh, other than that, fairly fairly typical week. Busy, busy week at work. This coming week, the one we're about to begin, is my final week before my extended Christmas break, baby. Ooh, lots of sitting on my hole, doing nothing. Um, planned. That's on the agenda. Uh, yeah. So that was uh, that was my week. Uh, what about you, boys? How was the week for you? Well, I have another week on top of what you have. I, I'm only going to be taking two weeks for Christmas this year. The week before and the week after, of course. And then right. I think I get the 3rd of January off. I think my company is closed. Uh, closed that day. So there's no point in me working on that. Uh, whether I actually take it off, meaning put in for it off and have it uh, removed from my... Uh, you know, well, this is the advantage, right? And I shouldn't be saying this on the podcast where anybody can hear it in the public. Yeah, that would be listening. You know, is working. Uh, you know, I don't work really as part of a team. You know, I I don't be going to Christmas parties. All the people I work with are in like, like <laughs> the UK. Um, There's but no I work team. Yeah, I work for a company that uh, outsources my job to a much bigger company, or vice versa, whatever way that works. <laughs> so I I request the holidays through my company. But my boss, my manager, let's say, works for the other company. So right. I say, I say to her, "I'm taking two weeks Christmas." She's mm. like, "That's fine." 
I'm like, I probably won't work the 3rd of January either because we're closed. Yeah. But I only have a certain number of holiday days to actually take. So right. I'll, I'll take those days. And then the days that I'm working, I probably will just not work <laughs> because there's no point. Anyway, work is work is busy, but work is all right. Um, but yeah, Christmas is approaching and it's starting to feel a lot like Christmas. I've heard that. Um, the tree is up. The decorations are up. Christmas presents have all been purchased now, I think. I don't think I have any more to buy. Excellent. I did have a little issue, though, with one of the presents. I, I, My own fault. But two of them by mistake on Amazon. I don't know how that happened. How did I click on, mm-hmm. give me that one, but give me more than one of them? That's never happened to me before. Were you in some kind of panic while you were buying it? No, I wasn't at all. And then I messaged the company or person, whoever, said, listen, I'm after buying two of these <laughs> by mistake. Yeah, hang on. <laughs> I said, it hasn't been dispatched yet, so I should that should be all right doesn't come back to me for a day. And then when they do, they went, oh, sorry, I already sent it. Ah. Said, You're tricking me. But anyway, fuckers. I said it to Nancy. I didn't tell her what it was because for one of her presents, I said, look, I bought you something nice, but you're getting two of them. <laughs> if you want to give the second one to someone you know, go for it. Do you know anyone who would like a PlayStation 5? <laughs> <laughs> I bought two of them by mistake. Um, but yeah, everything's bought. And we're we're under like what under three weeks, twenty days now till Christmas. That's it. That's it. I'm starting to count down the days. Two weeks after work, and then we're up and running. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Joe? How is the Christmas spirit filling you up? It's um, it's good. It's been good. I'm enjoying it so far. We had our Christmas party on uh, Thursday. Lovely. Um, it was good. Obviously, I've only been at the company for a couple of weeks, so don't know, you know, everyone there that well yet, but decided to compensate for that by just drinking a lot. Yeah, baby. Get more sociable. Uh, of course, the problem is these days I rarely drink, if I'm honest, like mm. occasionally, maybe once a month, less than that. Um, but when I do go out for something like that, I tend to drink like I used to drink when I still drank, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, so straight in, oh, Let's have a lovely vodka and coke. A couple mm-hmm. of them, they'll go down easily. Uh, white wine, yes, please. Have oh, a no. couple of those. And then <laughs> before you know it, we're in this bar and I'm doing air guitar to sweet chart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think they liked it. But I don't, yeah, I, I do not remember a lot about the second half of the evening, uh, which is never good. Um, but yeah, I think, it was, I think it was fun. And luckily, you know, the old working from home. Uh, yes. Friday, Friday. Yeah. Friday was good. Friday was good. <laughs> on the old uh, laptop on the sofa, just yeah, not too hard. But um, yes, yeah, so that was good. I've actually got another kind of Christmas party next Friday, which is with old work colleagues. So we're getting mm. together for a bit of a reunion. So we're going to yeah. go out and uh, have a have a few drinks. I'm not. I probably not get quite as strong. Hopefully not. Uh, yeah, we'll be- see. I think I think where I go wrong is wine. Wine is the big problem mm. because think about wine, especially white wine, tastes all right, really. It just sort of tastes like juice, and then you drink it, and you go, "Oh, I've had a bottle, and it's twenty percent alcohol." Mm. <laughs> you know, you're like, "Oh, Jesus!" Um, so I think I'll just stick to like the same. I'll just have like my rum and coke. Just have a rum and coke. One of them, maybe a few of them. Even if I have four or five, I'll probably still be fine. I'm not going to be that like, crazy drunk, so I'll just I'll stick to that. That's my plan so far, anyway. 
Um, yeah, that was good. And then on uh, Saturday, Michelle and I went to the lovely Greenwich uh, in South East London, um, wonderful part of the city. They have a big, they have a, a regular market on there. And of course, this time of year, it's very bustling and busy, uh, full of Christmas stuff. So we yeah. went there. Uh, it was very nice. Um, we bought a lovely bit of artwork to go up in the in the office where I'm currently sat. So I think you lads would, would both really like this. It's um, I'm looking at it right now and I'll, I'll put a a picture up it's uh done by an american artist an artist who does a lot of kind of pop culture drawings mm-hmm. and it's a a an illustration of the simpsons house um but kind of a, a very realistic portrayal of it kind of at oh. and so it's all kind of blues and whites and blacks and it's a very very kind of eye-catching we both we walked in this little um art shop there near the market and we both kind of saw it and thought oh yeah that looks nice um so we picked that up so yeah, I've got to get that up on the wall, but very pleased with that kind of early Christmas purchase. And um, yeah, and then just a quiet one on on, on Sunday. So uh, been a good weekend. I made a little Christmas purchase myself. Uh, I was in Tesco and I bought a little Christmas jumper, Ooh. also Simpsons themed, little Ho Ho Homer. Oh, dressed as Santa Claus in the front of it, right? Twenty five euro. I said that's a good little deal. Mm-hmm. Uh Went through, I, obviously I, I was in Tesco buying other stuff. Went through the self-service, ding dong do, bought it all, get home. Loving this, loving this little jumper I have. Oh, it's still got the security tag on it. Oh, oh. that's the best. Were, you, were you Googling self-help, how do I get this shit off tips or? Yeah, I settled on um, hit it with a hammer. <laughs> ah, well, yes, t- time tested. My favorite YouTube channel, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to say I got home and it's uh, it's on the back of it's it's Homer Simpson saying a slur or something, you know, <laughs> like it's like actually it wasn't Tesco, it was a bootleg thing you got. Well, no, like those uh, well, Bart Simpson smoking a joint or something. Joint, yeah, going four twenty, man, fuck the pigs. When you say self service, does your does your Tesco does it have the scan as you go thing now? They do. I've never used it though. I, I love just, that. I know. I'm like, I, I'm like, I live in the future. Look at me. Well, I used to work in a in a supermarket, so the the novelty of that of working the tails <laughs> has worn off for me. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had a moral objection to the fucking uh, robots taking uh, uh, Paul Griffin jobs. No, but self service does that already. Anyway, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, no, but and even so, right as I left, the little alarm thing went off but I, I just thought oh that just happens sometimes <laughs> uh, does anyone in this country ever take heed of those ever including people no. who work security in shops no. they basically no. always go yeah, yeah whatever yeah go. That, and that's what happened I'm and then, like, but the reason i thought nothing of it is a guy maybe three people behind me came out and the same thing happened to him and we both just went oh. Um, but then I got home and security guard just looking over. <laughs> that seems to be happening a lot today. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so I, I took the hammer to it. Bang, bang, bang. Off it came. Mm. But I made a little hole in it. Well, yeah. 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 So I'll have to get Nasty to uh, stitch that up for me. But it's it's not really noticeable. I, I'd say if you weren't wherever, you wouldn't even notice it was there. Mm. Um, what else? Uh, no, just the I'm wearing obviously my my footy jersey, Joe. The, the game wasn't televised today, but did you, did you get to see any of it? Uh, no, unfortunately, I haven't seen the goal yet. Um, annoyingly, not on the not on the old telly. Um, yeah, yeah, I, ha- I had fun. it up on the uh, stream.com. Uh, 
All right. Um, I was about to ask. Yeah, it wasn't on telly, but presumably you got some Saudi Arabian feed to to see no, the match. No, I was watching. I was watching the MSNBC stream. Ah, okay. Um, quite a decent game, uh, or at least not really a decent game, but a decent performance by yeah. by United. I, I understand it's it's Palace, Palace at home, which shouldn't be a life or death fixture. As I know they're one of our kind of bogey teams. But um, it was a much more sure win than what we've been used to this season. So I was happy with that. Otherwise, I haven't got a chance to watch much of the football football this week. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to watch the uh, West Ham Chelsea game. Um, and so I don't have much footy talk this week other than, yeah, United fairly handy enough win. It, the goal was was late enough. So it was a bit of a struggle in that sense of getting to like 60 minutes and still being nil all. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start to think, oh, oh, this might be an ill all. Uh, the goal did come eventually, but yeah, Palace had one good chance right just before United scored, but otherwise it was a fairly comfortable win, I would say, which yeah. is what we had been kind of shouting out for anyway, yeah. at least on this podcast. Um, I think that's all the life guff. So let's move on. Let's move on here. Uh, I got some music guff for the first time in a while. What? Uh, I was I was reminded by my um, Spotify Wrapped, which came out this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine too. Which was a mixed bag this year. I I I usually like Spotify Wrapped. People get very cynical about it. I think it's interesting. I like to see what people post. I, I think like it's that. interesting. I like to judge. I like to judge all the freaks who listen to podcasts on Spotify, except ours. Obviously, if you listen to ours, thank you so much. Including Brona, we are her top podcast on Spotify. I'm very sure. So there's one. <laughs> I like to judge all of them. I like to judge all the wrestling fans who have WWE in their top five artists for the year. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, the, the current music is shit. How are you? Po- unless you're listening to my time on a loop, which is possible. Um, uh, so I think that's interesting. But I was like, all right, let's. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I liked the. Uh, they did a little like. Uh, Here's your opening credits to your movie. Very, very bad type thing. I thought that was cute. And then every other slide was like, uh, you understood the assignment like an NFT. And I'm like, I don't need to to be told any of that shit. Um, uh, What was it? It was kind of like, oh, there was other ones as well, but I can't remember them. And you know what? They were all repulsive. So so I won't get into it. But um, Let me just throw out before you continue, Barry. Uh, WWE, right? I have my my all-time Spotify artist list in front of me now okay wwe number 22 that's not bad 22 is respectable i i can understand a wrestling fan having some wwe in their list not not top five it cannot be top five that's outrageous you know i Uh, do have rupaul in the top five though that's all right that's all right yeah i I, love love a bit of them tunes let me tell you Uh, anyway, I, I, I think I lost you there for a second. Um, but having the uh, Spotify Wrapped did remind me. Uh, I was like, right, let's let's get to these uh, these albums I've been putting off listening to mm-hmm. uh, uh, for a bit. Finally, got around to listening to that new Billie Eilish, uh, her second her second album. I thought it was mostly pretty good. I thought it was a uh, a similar. But maybe a teensy bit more refined sound than her first album. I think she's kind of completely gone away from the poppiness of Bad Guy. And I felt like Bad Guy also was not a super representative song of what the first album was. 
Like, obviously, that was an, a song you could not escape. That song was impossible to get away from when it came out. The rest of the album was was not really like that. And the second album, even less so. Um, mm. Good, you know, um, I, one thing that, 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 that I, I think about is she, she, you know, I think I think she's a good songwriter. And she's writing, and this this is very much the uh, the Marshall Mathers LP of her career, where a lot of the songs are reflecting on the fact that, oh, I'm famous now, and everyone wants a piece of me, and I'm being judged. And that's all good, and that's, for, for decades, that's been perfectly good songwriting material. But then there's also the fact where she's still, like, a 19-year-old, so she's writing a 19-year-old's idea of deep lyrics about how hard it is to be famous, and some of the lyrics are like a little bit oh, cringy, like not even like I don't even disagree with the content you're saying, but it's just some of the some of the lyrics are so on the nose and so kind of um, uh, a little bit wince inducing when you hear them. But it's, it's, it's a good album overall. I think I think musically it's very good. Um, I listened to the second Doja Cat album. Popular oh. pop slash hip hop artist Doja Cat. Thought her first album was really good, surprisingly good. Um, second one solid, not as good as the first, but I think really solid. Um, same similar kind of sound, poppy kind of hip hop sound. Um, this was also though. Um, do you, if any of you worked in like a retail job or a job where the radio's been on, and that's when you really realize what people say is true about the radio that they do just play six songs over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So TikTok is the radio these days, okay? <laughs> the, the popular songs, and this is why the music industry works with TikTok and doesn't like take them down because it's like if a song gets popular on there, you will never ever ever be able to escape it and that's kind of the problem with Doja Cat's album. She's had like three or four very successful singles that were absolutely gigantic tiktok sounds and so there's like there's like a couple i'm like this is happening it's like it's nice it's vibing there's like oh i like the, you know there's a, a good there's a good collaboration with the weekend man there good collaboration with ariana grande and then a song comes on that i almost instinctively go to skip i'm like oh this fucking thing it's like it's like when you hear a song that's been in an ad that you've seen seven million times mm-hmm. it's like yeah. a certain thing comes on and she's like i'm like oh my god this and it's like i can't even i can't even pretend to objectively pretend uh, racist it's just I'm sick of hearing it. I've heard it too much. It, it, it's 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 the 2021 equivalent of the overplayed radio song. So there's there's that uh, to consider. But good, I think she I think she 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 writes a bop, an earworm, a poppy earworm. Uh, so a thumbs up on the both of those albums for me this week. Um, yeah, and that was my uh, that was my my 2021 album catch up for this week. Okay. Um... I listened to one new album, and it's An Evening with Silk Sonic. Okay. Which is the uh, Bruno Mars-Anderson Pack collaboration. Okay. Which go by the name of Silk Sonic. Um, it's great. It's it's very much a throwback to that kind of Motown. Mm. Uh, the height of Motown, let's say. So it's it's got some really fucking funky bass lines. Bow, 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 bow. And then it's got some more, uh, you know, funk, still funky, but more kind of ballady, disco-y songs. Um, it's not a particularly long album, which you know that we're always a fan of on here. Yes, yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, w- I would recommend it to anyone who who's a fan of that kind of earth, wind, and fire style. It's very much a, a modern representation of that. 
Um, best song on the album, Fly Is Me, which is the funkiest funk song that ever funked. Um, so I'll give I'll give that a big recommendation. Um, I had my Spotify wrapped as well. I think it's the third year in the row. Uh, CKY and Ghost occupied the top two spots. As good a um, top as you could ask for. But the other spots were taken up by people what I listened to for the first time this year in in our music of. So I won't spoil who was on there because I I really think that that's going to have uh, an impact on the way that I choose my my music of the year. Ah, uh, okay, it. okay. But, but uh, yeah, this is I, I must say Silk Sonic making a little run for that maybe towards the end here. Um, I think it's only about thirty two minutes. So if okay, you want to give that a try? Yeah, I, I like my tolerance for Bruno Mars comes and goes. Um, I really like some of his songs, and other songs are kind of like what you said, where heard it too much. Just I, I, I will skip Uptown Funk every time that comes yes, along. Yes, yeah. But but I love a bit of Twenty Four Karat Magic. So yeah, no, I, I'm kind of with you. I think he's he's <laughs> he's tremendously talented. I mean, for sure. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, it's just his his popular hits are just so inescapable. Um, yeah, I might yeah. check that out. It sounds good. Um, Evening with Silk Sonic. It's very good. Very very good. And that's our music guff here for the week. We'll jump on to telly guff. Okay, so let's 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 get into Get Back on Disney Plus, the Peter Jackson quote unquote directing, yeah. I guess, uh, uh, the Beatles. Yeah, well, I saw Peter Jackson's uh, previous documentary, "They Shall Not Grow Old," which was the World mm. War was the World War Two footage. Mm, yes, uh, that was done for. Uh, I forget the name of the like museum or whatever. It was originally just done for them, but then it aired on BBC, I think, and then they put it up somewhere for streaming. I forget where it was. But I really liked that. Um, the gimmick, for want of a better phrase, of that was that they took this old silent footage and colorized it and like per- did performative voice to it to make it seem like... Mm-hmm. This is this is this is the real like updated footage, and of course it was with with talking head, not talking heads per se, but people talking. There was like however many hours of archival interviews and this and that. So I was like, even though it was very manufactured, it did still come off as a very real representative uh, feeling of wartime. Um, and you had stuff like <laughs> really harrowing stuff of people, you know, kids, really kids. Going off to the war, thinking, "Oh, this will be an adventure. This will be the the time of our lives." Going off and getting killed in the war, in the trenches, and having trench foot and the like. God. Uh, so Peter Jackson and his documentary boys are back. Uh, they have taken documentary footage, which was originally shot in 1969 for. Uh, a documentary which has which came out at the time, a 1970 documentary about the making of Let It Be, the, the final Beatles album. Um, and Peter Jackson has got his little mitts on, <laughs> his little grubby New Zealand mitts grubby on little, uh, little claws, little wank claws. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, he's not, he is not actually from Middle Earth. <laughs> his little hands. He got his little hands on however many hours, I think it's like 150 hours of footage that they, they recorded over the three weeks uh, where the Beatles were, were brought together to, to write and come up with an album and then perform it live 
uh, on TV in some kind of broadcast. Um, and so the gimmick is, for want of a better phrase, that they've really like cleaned up the uh, the image quality, taken like the grain out of it. Mm. Which, as Barry said, is is jarring initially, but you get used to very quickly. Um, if you're only seeing it on TikTok or whatever, maybe every time you come across it, it does have that kind of jarring effect because it's like you're seeing it for the first time every time. But when you're watching it, and trust me, you're watching it for a long time. There's like eight hours long, I think. It's what? Yeah, I've only seen part one. Part one is two and a half hours long. Um, part Jeez. three is nearly three hours, and then I think part two is the sh- part three is the shortest one. It's like two hours fifteen, maybe. Peter Jackson, baby, never, <laughs> never needed an editor in his life, baby. Yeah. Just, I can't wait for, just I can't wait for release me. it, baby. I will be reading no notes on what you want out of this. I'm, I'm, I'm posting the film reel myself to the cinema. I can't wait for the extended edition DVD. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> Anyway, I've only watched part one. I, I I've started part two, but it's 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 a long one. So I might have part two and part three done for next week. But uh, part one is very very interesting, and I'm not someone necessarily who considers themselves a massive Beatles fan. I definitely like the Beatles. I I, I wouldn't call them overrated. Um, as Barry Barry said earlier, you know, either you love them or you think they're overrated. I don't know that I, I'm kind of more towards the love them mm. side of that, but I'm definitely not the full way along the spectrum. I think the Beatles wrote some bloody good songs. I think they did some absolute tat as well. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's like, um, was it Partridge who said, my favorite album, I would have to say the best of the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm kind of like that. Like, I, I think there, I could probably make a good playlist of thirty Beatles songs that I really like. Mm. But I've never like sat and listened to a Beatles album. I maybe listened to Abbey Road and like Revolver, but that's it. Um, and I, I certainly have never had any interest at all in their like personal lives or like I'm not one of these people who idolizes John. Le- in fact. Imagine is one of those songs that I would skip. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, when it yeah. comes on the uh, the the old shuffle. But anyway, nevertheless, the documentary is super super interesting. So, very quickly in part one, you see that each of the four Beatles has uh, a specific archetype that they fill as they're part of the band, right? So you've got Paul McCartney, who is the leader of the Beatles. Um, he is. Uh, that one person that everybody knows who's like a good singer. And so they're always showing off how good a singer they are. So <laughs> like whoever it would be George or, or John will be talking to Paul about the songwriting, you know? So they'll say, well, well, Paul, I think here the line should say, um, love me, love, love me do. Right. And Paul, Paul will say back, Love me, love me do. <laughs> and it's like you can't have a conversation with this guy. Every he's always singing. He's just they'll be they'll be sitting around completely like sullen. Like there's a thing that happens I won't spoil towards the end of part one that kind of changes the dynamic of the band. And Paul will still be like Maxwell Silverhammer. You know, he's always at a ten, even when they're just like rehearsing. He will never like bring it down to an eight and go like, you know. Let it be, let it be, <laughs> let it be. Like when he's figuring out the melody or whatever, he's still always out of 10. Let it be, let it be. And so he, he comes off as really, really annoying in that sense. 
also he has um <laughs> the worst idea you know what who, who Paul McCartney is very like he's very like Shane McMahon I did not see that coming. He has, he has that same uh, cherubic, bloated baby face and the worst ideas. He's very creative, but has the worst ideas. So he's like, we should, we should do this news show, right? Where it's, it's the craziest news from every corner of the earth. So over here you have... Uh, there's an earthquake. An earthquake is happening. And over here, you have uh, a volcano. And then the culmination of all this is the biggest news story. The Beatles are breaking up. I was like, that's not a good idea, Paul. That's a terrible idea. Anyway, that's Paul McCartney, right? Very very annoying person. Uh, John Lennon, right? So for John Lennon is basically a heroin addict at this stage. Um, And so he is late showing up um, and of course, I know it's like cliche, and actually Paul McCartney makes a point of talking about how it's going to be funny in uh, 50 years, they're going to be talking about how uh, Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. It's <laughs> like, well, yeah. it's They have their little ring of chairs, right? Because they're rehearsing yeah. in this big studio stage. So you have Ringo on his drums, George, Paul, John. Oh, and then there's a little fifth chair next to John in the circle. And Yoko Ono sitting there, writing her notes, knitting sometimes, but she's like always there. Uh, Linda McCartney comes in and goes. Uh, George and Ringo sometimes have have their girlfriend with them or wife or whatever, but Yoko's always there. And then there's one bit towards the end of part one where Yoko is like singing on the microphone with whoever's playing, John or Paul, clearly just humor John and Yoko. Oh, let her sing a little bit. Yeah. She's um but this is not her fault. This is completely John's fault. Um even to the point where um towards the end of part one, uh I'll just say it because it happened in real life. Uh George Harrison quits at one point, right? And so they ha- they go to Ringo's house to have like this big band meeting to hash out things and, and get everyone happy again. Get some hash and, going, okay. Well, they probably did. Yeah. <laughs> um so who might be at this a very important band meeting, right? You would think, well, the Beatles, right? Yeah. And Yoko Ono was there mm. arguing with people. Um, and then afterwards they're given out about like, why was she there? She was like arguing with George for some reason. Anyway. So John Lennon, he's very he's a bit of a weirdo. Um <laughs> bit eccentric. He yeah. he's the weird one for sure in the Beatles. Uh George Harrison, who in my opinion is the best songwriter in the Beatles. A uh, little bit, little bit like the Triple H of the Beatles. Very insecure. <laughs> okay. A um, little bit moany. So he, he, in the interim between their last album, he's been off with Eric Clapton and the boys doing some, uh, a little bit more uh, experimental guitar stuff than the Beatles were used to doing. So he's come back now and Paul McCartney is telling them what to play, when to play it. And he's like, oh, really what I want to do is play Eric Clapton songs and Bob Dylan songs. Right. I don't want to play the four chords rhythm guitar that he had kind of got used to. And that's what causes a rift between them. Um, and then you have the best Beatle of them all, Ringo Starr, who has no problems with anyone. No one has any problems with him. He just wants to come in, be drunk all day, play his drums and leave at the end of the day. Um, and Ringo is doesn't say much. He He... It's like, um, 
you know, with wrestling to an extent, you hear the um, the Moxley interview. You hear the CM Punk interview on mm-hmm. Cult Cabana. You know, you have these people who take it so seriously. Their their creative liberty, their um, their own self uh, worth in terms of the creativity of of what they can do and their own um, agency as wrestlers. Um, Ringo is like Heat Slater. He will just turn up and happily do it. Wow. He's not going to give you any grief. He's going to do it. And he he'll, 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 he'll have the big smile on his face doing it. And that's that's Ringo. Ringo is very, very likable on it. He's great. Um, There are bits where um, there was like snippets of songs. And it's, it's very interesting to hear songs like Let It Be, one of the biggest Beatles songs. You literally hear it from like conception as they're putting it together. Right. Um, oh, I've come up with this thing, do, 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 do. and that's that's really interesting. And they'll play like covers of songs, and in fact, there's bits where they're like fucking around playing covers of other songs. Like, lads, just write this album, hurry up, you got two weeks to do it. Um, but the conversation stuff is all really good. There's one bit where they're discussing. It's like John and Paul go for a secret meeting to discuss the George situation. They go to the canteen away from the cameras, right? But the film guys have hidden a microphone in a flower pot. Lovely. So you can still hear the conversation. It's just done over like still images. This is the CIA. <laughs> I think it's really good. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to hold up for the eight hour runtime. Mm, yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't want to say that I wish it was shorter before I, I've sat watching. Yeah. I think the part one, it's it's it is very long, but I didn't like sit down and watch it over two and a half hours. I watched forty five minutes here, half an hour here, and then clo- oh, I have an hour left. Sat down and watched the hour, mm-hmm. but it does it does segment it by day. So every time it'll come up with a little calendar, cross off the day. Okay, we're on this day now, and every day gets like half an hour of footage, um, and there's always stuff happening day to day. So you see the songs progress, you see the band dynamic move on from day to day you see george harrison sit in the corner looking all moody about that he's not playing his funky songs um and george harrison leaving is actually one of the one of the most interesting bits because it, it's it's after a little segment of like john and paul really getting into, into a groove songwriting mm. but it, it it the fact that they've got into a groove makes it all the more obvious that they don't really consider george as an equal songwriter on the level to them. Whereas he's done by this stage, he's done while my guitar gently weeps and stuff that is easy on par to, to what John and Paul have done in the past. And Paul's doing Maxwell silver hammer and fucking shite like this. Right. Um, and so they do their little song, they do rehearse. And then in the middle of the song, George just goes, he takes the guitar off and goes, Oh, I think I'll be leaving now. And they go, what? leaving the Beatles <laughs> and he just leaves. <laughs> he goes, I'll see you lads. <laughs> and it's the most nonchalant. Like he doesn't throw, like there's not a big deal made of it. He just goes, Oh, I think I'll be leaving the Beatles now. And he just leaves and that's it. Um, and uh, so I'm interested to see where, where it goes. The point I'm at in, in episode two, George still hasn't returned. Um, and the culmination of the series uh, so I believe is the 
um, the concert on top of the music studio, which mm. the the B sharps, yeah, of course, yeah, was, was based on, and that's in its entirety. Apparently, the entire forty five minute concert ever is like the the last forty five minutes of the of the documentary. So I am enjoying it a lot so far. Still have about <laughs> five and a half hours to go. So we will see. But I have a lot less video games to be playing, as I will tell you later on. So that's going to open up. That's going to open up a bit of space for uh, the Beatles. You threw them all away because now you just you just watch the Beatles now. (laughs) That is my life. Uh, Incredibly interesting, but I'm not sure I can commit. I, I yeah, <laughs> I know. It, it it honestly might be easier to just if you're got if you're interested in watching it, watch uh like a day at a time because then then mm-hmm. it's it's not so much eight hours. It's like um it's like a series of sixteen half hour episodes, and that right. might be an easier way to right. do it rather than think about it as an eight hour movie, which makes it seem so daunting and so un unwatchable basically mm. so you can sit down uh, and just watch from the time the calendar marks off the first day to to the next day and it might not even be half hour it might be 20 25 minutes depending on the day mm. fair enough that's an interesting way to, to go with it yeah um i've the, i've checked some christmas telly off the list uh, uh, this week, stuff we've we've talked about extensibly in the past i think uh debut episode of simpsons of course Mars being not proud that's gone yeah, I uh, got some films we'll talk about later, uh, and also just earlier today while we were having our dinner, I did watch the season three Malcolm in the Middle episode, uh, simply titled Christmas, I, which I think is one of my favorite episodes of the whole show. I think one of my favorite secondary characters in any sitcom is the grandmother. Um, it's, it's more bang for your buck per per second of screen time. Mm. Um, uh, uh, is is that character, and I just love there's a, the subplot of that episode is Francis, the oldest brother, has been as the closest to her has to go and visit the curmudgeonly, horrible grandmother, and and just their their uh, isolated Christmas together in her shitty little granny flat. Um, I just I and like they I, I one of my favorite like jokes in anything is just like uh, nebulous references to some unspecified old country. And like in the first scene where he shows up, he gives her a Christmas card that plays Jingle Bells. And she's like, oh, it sounds like the song they would sing when they rode through the village and throw the babies on the fire. (laughs) He goes, they sang Jingle Bells? (laughs) They sang something. Her delivery is amazing. Amazing. She's so great. I'm not sure if that actress is still alive, but she's phenomenal. And all the way into the weaker late seasons, every episode with her is phenomenal and that's obviously then the same episode where lois like steals christmas it's great 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 episode of christmas tv uh so yeah i got that watch so yeah continuing to work through the old uh the old christmas checklist you know yourself and some of that is in movie guff which we will transition mm-hmm. to now uh i suppose uh again uh, you know in the 10 years we've been doing this show a lot of these have been talked about i don't think we need to 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 go back over home alone and die hard uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? There are a lot of people who are asking. Oh, I, uh, let, let us be the first podcast to actually debate that. Let me tell you, uh, that would be quite the segment, and I guarantee it would blow up and everyone would love it because everyone loves oh, that yeah. topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, that's great. Home Alone is also great. They're both great. They're both great. Um, two movies where uh, me and Brona both watched them and go, man. 
look at how nice and comfy those plane seats look. Not anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. No, both great. Both great. Uh, you want to talk about great accents and great chewing the scenery performances. It doesn't get better than Rickman. Uh, is what was he said to me earlier? Ho, ho, ho. No, what did he say? Ah, yippee motherfucker hey motherfucker great stuff great stuff so yeah that's the christmas that's the christmas uh, uh checklist off uh, as for other films we went back to the theater this week the theater for um mm. another uh, irish film institute cinema presentation uh here in limerick uh we watched i think the first irish language film that i did not have to watch for a school assignment um <laughs> I, we watched uh, Aracht, which was a 2019 film. Uh, there is some English in it, but it is predominantly uh, uh, Irish language. Um, with English subtitles, I would not have fared very well without it. Uh, so it's basically kind of it's kind of hard to, to describe uh, uh, without giving too much about it away. It's kind of a it's a famine era thriller slash psychological horror thing going on. Basically, it's um. Uh, uh, a, a kind of hard-working peasant Irishman, uh, at the request of a of a family friend, takes in, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a troubled youngster who just come, returned from a, a, an honourable discharge from the British Army. Takes him under his wing. Times are tough, obviously. Uh, they run afoul of an English landlord because of raising Uh-oh. rents. Uh, the situation goes kaput, as it was wont to do back in them days, lads. Ha, what? Uh, and we kind of there's a little bit of a, a time jump forward, and effectively the the, the protagonist is on the lamb, uh, living on his own on uh, uh, as tiny little island, basically in isolation on his own, just off the coast of the town where he actually is from. It's set in Connemara. He's a, a, a some kind of nebulous Connemara Galway uh, region. Uh, it is really really good. Um, uh, very intense. Great performances. Um, uh, if you do enjoy the, the, those kind of uh, I- Irish famine kind of you know colonial uh, period pieces, I think you'll you'll like it. If you like your kind of uh, psychological, uh, I wouldn't go as so far as to say horror. It's maybe a psychological thriller. Um, I, I think you'd get something out of it. Uh, it's it's good. It's really good. Um, I think I think um, uh, I think I think uh, you, you both like it. It's really good. Uh, one one little note on the cinema going experience. Now keep in mind this is a oh. this is a theater. Okay, this that they have a, they just put down a cinema screen in and they air it. We've gone to this twice now. This is this is where we saw herself, which is another very good Irish film, English language yeah. that one. Um, and the crowd there is very different from the cinema, obviously, from from going to you know the Odeon. Uh, significantly older uh, a lot of middle class Irish ladies um, uh, they're much quieter during the film that's a huge positive all right Uh, you know Nora and Siobhan are not nattering during the film and texting their boyfriends I'll give them that much they're not going who's he who's he you don't get any of that shit so it is great so as much as i'm gonna whinge about it i will say that generally speaking the clientele are very good everyone shuts the fuck up when the movie starts that's great but there was a woman sitting directly in front of me this film it was a psychological kind of thriller it was a, it was quite intense but on the scale of violence it was 15 and it was a pretty it was a pretty steady middle of the road 15 rating it was not pushing any boundaries this woman was doing a thing in front of me that I that I would do as a child, which is that when anything remotely uh, intense or violent was happening, she wasn't closing her eyes. No, 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 no. She was 
putting her hand in front of her eyes, but leaving a corner of the screen uncovered so she could peek <laughs> over, I guess to ascertain when the violence had stopped so that she could resume watching. And she was also squirming and tossing and turning and, and trying, looking away. And I'm like, I'm like, lady, this is not, this is not fucking, I can't even think of an example. This is not Texas Chainsaw. Like I, I but also towards the end, there was quite a, you know, big, climactic showdown where things were kicking off and she was quite obviously conflicted because she was covered eyes but then she realized she was missing subtitles and so she was having to she wasn't been able to understand what was happening so that was a lot that was a lot to take because she was doing it constantly through the whole film uh listen some people are 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 just not not into that kind of uh that kind of thing which is fair enough but just close your fucking eyes and stuff doing a little dance in the in the seat in front of me (laughs) Um, and yeah, so that was Aracht, which is and, Irish and for monster. Dwayne Johnson wasn't in it, no? No, 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 you're thinking of the Aracht. Uh, I was thinking Dwayne Aracht Johnson. Okay. Dwayne Aracht. Mm. Yeah, no joy on, on that. Well, maybe maybe he'll be in a remake, you never know. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if or where that is streaming. I Probably not. I know IFI have a very limited streaming library on their website. I don't know yeah. if it's on there, but it's it's quite good. Um, uh, on a similarly uh, indie uh, uh, fancy pants note, I signed up for that there movie. Um, the uh, obviously Paul, you've talked about it. Uh, a good friend of mine and listener of the show, Dave, has has talked about it on on his show. Highest highest praise for it. Um, and I was like, and there was in particular, it was kind of like, I was like, you know, we're in December. I was like, what are the 2021 films I want to have seen before the end of the year and before everyone starts doing their lists and awards and blah, 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 blah. And there was two on there that I was like, well, I want to see these two. So I signed up for movie. I'm probably going to keep it because the library looks, looks pretty good. So I watched Shiva Baby, which I believe we've talked about on this, uh, show already. Uh, I thought it was tremendous. I absolutely loved it. Uh, it was hilarious in a really understated kind of way. It's kind of the exact kind of comedy I I, I really like. Um, uh, the the main actress's name I am forgetting. What is it? Rachel Sennis. Rachel Sennis, who apparently is a stand up as well. Really kind of like great, uh, you know, curb esque kind of just every every twinge and every kind of sort of slightly guffawed look she would throw was all they were all just so hilarious she was so 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 good at it um uh just really 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 funny and also like it's kind of a movie of two halves because it kind of takes a turn on a dime and becomes this incredibly anxious kind of tension riddled social anxiety kind of uh uh hey i'm in my 20s and i don't know what i'm doing drama Mm. um uh on on, on a dime like i said it just kind of flips and so it's you're you're kind of you're you're kind of flicking back and forth a lot throughout the film but it's it's tremendous i i really 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 thought it was great this it's one of those it is worth it's got a seven day trial it's worth signing up and getting movie and just watching this if you watch nothing else uh uh, a big thumbs up on uh shiva baby which i believe was a directorial debut yes it was yeah for uh, ms seligman probably butchering that pronunciation uh also on movie i watched censor which was also a directorial debut for a british uh or i think a welsh uh lady director prano bailey bond it's about a uh, a lady who works for i don't think they actually use this term but effectively the bbfc uh without mm-hmm. saying that 
in the 1980s at the peak of the um, uh, video nasties uh, craze. That term is used a lot. Uh, and so she watches all of these movies. She has a, a sort of nebulous, uh, uh, not really specified, uh, uh, troubled past with with a, um, uh, an event that's not really uh, uh, gone into too much detail on, but she has some past trauma that she's kind of uh, 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 trying to get over. And the movie kind of, as it progresses, those two themes kind of convalesce. Uh, and come together in a way that is, it's, again, kind of hard to describe, kind of like a rock without mm. just saying what happens. I don't really want to say it's it's a first. It's a good movie. I'll give it a recommendation first of all. I think it is also worth if you, if you were to sign up for a movie, it's 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 worth watching. Um, the movie is somewhat literal for the first half. She works at the film censor office. There's a controversy in that office that I won't get into. She stumbles across a film that seems to have some kind of tie-in to what happened to her when she was younger. And as the, the, the film progresses, I think largely to do with the main character's mental state, things become a little bit less literal. Things become a little bit more op- open for interpretation. And it's one of those kind of unreliable narrator situations where you're not quite sure what's actually happening. So I, I, I kind of leave it at that. So as always with a movie like that, I think the ending was kind of a little bit, mm, you know, I tend to watch these movies and, and, and with a dumb baby brain, I go, okay, what happened though? Like, <laughs> but what happens is what I want to know. Uh, and you don't, you don't get that. This is not, you're not going to get that, but that's not to say what you get is bad. It's just, it's not that. So that's, that's one thing I would caution before going in. It's not a, it kind of almost establishes itself as not quite a murder mystery, but just a mystery of some sort set against the backdrop of incredibly grim 1980s Britain. I mean, it's a very stylized and depressing, I, I don't know how just the, everyone wasn't just killing themselves. It's like the ugliest looking film in a good kind of stylish way ever. Um, lots of like, obviously a lot of it is set in the film censor's office. It's this horribly blocky, washed out, gray, hideous building where they go into the dark little grubby rooms and watch the worst films imaginable, um, uh, for their day. Uh, so that was censor also on a uh, movie, also a thumbs up, also a recommendation. Yeah. To your um, baby brain points, by the way, one of my least favorite trends at the moment is, is when you watch a movie or you go or, or play a video game mm. and you just want to take in some some more information about it and and 99 out of 100 videos are ending explained, explained. yeah i hate it yeah uh, but, but that's obviously incredibly frustrating and annoying what the funny thing though is that 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 is now such an industry unto itself that you'll google like die hard and it'll be like die hard ending explained I was I like, that's my point is like walked off with his wife out of a window like censor ending explained fine but it'll be like toy story 3 ending explained <laughs> like what needs to be explained oh i hate it i hate it there's gonna be um, um, and I, I have some stuff for wrestling that i want to give out about as well there's gonna be a very givey out week of things that okay that's happen. fine speaking of givey out uh we're out of we're out of the bougie or fancy pants film um uh, uh, uh section and then we're on to i went to the normal person cinema yeah <laughs> And uh, despite being directed by r- respected man Ridley Scott, who I believe has also put out another film this holiday season that's quite good, yeah, I Sir, watched Sir like Ridley. Sir Ridley, sir. I watched The House of Gucci, which I've been thinking about since I saw it, uh, not because it was great. And I've come to the conclusion in my, my thinking about it 
it's like a stupid person's impression of a prestige film. Right. Uh, I I couldn't get over it. So so this is the um, story of obviously the Gucci family of of you know designers, their empire and stuff. Uh, Adam Driver plays uh, uh, sort of the son of the empire who doesn't really have any interest in actual fashion designing. He uh, mar- he marries Lady Gaga's character. She's from dirt. She's from nothing. Oh my god! She's not. You can't marry her. Oh my god! Oh no! But I love her. Uh, they get married. Uh, uh, they find themselves rising through the ranks, and she's something of a uh, uh, a plotter and a schemer who's going to do everything to to take her husband to the top of the industry. Things fall apart from there. I actually knew nothing of the real life story um, uh, prior to this film. I don't know if it's. I I, I assume it's incredibly well known based on how the film plays out. It strikes me as the type of thing that people more clued into things would 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 know. But um, a couple of problems with the film. Uh, first of all, I <laughs> the the climax of the story is quite dramatic. Other than that, I don't think it's especially interesting. It's about a fairly fairly run of the mill. I would assume family dispute over who like inherits a company is effectively mm. what it plays out as it's really not that interesting the only again lady gaga's character and her real life inspiration you know obviously comes from nothing and is an outsider and is resented because of that but that, again that's about as interesting as it gets like there's is really not that much going on uh if you were, I feel like the color grade on the trailers was different to what the final film looked like. This is a horribly washed out, ugly looking film. Um, I, I, you know, I, I know Ridley Scott is not necessarily known for his uh, exuberant primary colors and 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 uh, popping visages, but I, you know, it's 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 pretty flat and horrible looking for the most part. Uh, performances are hard to grade because everyone's doing an absolutely terrible primary school Italian accent. Mm. Um, Lady Gaga's is okay, which is good because she's given the best performance of the whole film and she kind of carries it a lot. Everyone else is, everyone else does this thing and we were trying to figure it out, me and Ronan, when we left the cinema. It's such a stupid thing to put in a film of people who in real life presumably would be speaking their own perfect language to each other. Everyone talks with that thing of I'm an Italian in London and I have a pretty good grasp on English, but not perfect. So when I ask, when I go up to Joe Town on the street and I say, excuse me, sir, I'm looking for the cafe. I go, excuse me, sir, I'm looking for the um, uh, cafe. They all do that. But I'm like, but you, but presumably you, you, you all know what you're saying when you live in Italy and you're talking to each other. Why are you talking to each other in broken tourist English? I don't understand. <laughs> um, uh, it's really terrible. Well, 90% of the actors are doing that. And then Jared Leto uh, comes in. And he's like, mamma mia, oh, my cara barona. Ah, you, 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 what the things you said of me, you cannot be serious, mamma mia. He's like, he is... <laughs> Like he's from another film. And the funny thing is, I don't even hate his performance. I almost kind of wish, I was like, okay, pick what movie you're fucking making. You're either making <laughs> Waluigi Jared Leto movie or you're making Goodfellas. You you cannot do you cannot do half of each. Because um, there's also, so he, he is, he, to be fair to, 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 to Jared Leto, he, he is a comic relief character. So it's not like, mm. it's not like he's faffing about being Italian Elon Musk when he's not supposed to be. 
He's he's <laughs> which also again is what they all sound like. They all sound like they're doing little parody Twitter accounts. They all just put A's at the end of their words. Like it's it's really terrible. There's been lots, there's been countless bad accents in in Hollywood films over the years. Irish and Italian are always the two really terrible ones. But this is terrible for like a proper real movie that's taking itself deathly serious. They're all just putting A's at the end of their word, talking like they're tourists, you know, trying to find uh, you know the bibliotheque. Um, and and obviously I haven't seen it yet, but I, I wanted to get your your take on a, on a criticism I've heard elsewhere, which is that the trailer uh, paints the film as a kind of camp. Mm. I don't know American hustle or or yeah yeah big short style. Like it's a real story, but this is the kind of dark comedy kind of yes. take on it. But I've heard that the film itself isn't actually doesn't isn't as camp as it sets like the the ad set it out to be yeah i mean like, like i said with the you know like it even feels like the i mean maybe if i was to go back and watch the trailers the color would be the same but the tone is certainly not the same yeah. it's an awful lot of two people walking into a room sit down and having a very stony faced conversation mm. about uh, gucci is it is not in shopping malls uh yes, but the market, my friend, uh, the market. Uh, uh, good no, <laughs> I love how you're chopping for, for the the listeners. What it is? Barry's doing the Italian hands. I'm right? doing the Italian emoji. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing the, it, but um, he's doing like a weird French Russian accent with it. Which is uh, yeah, well, I've never I've never been much of an accent man, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like Lady Gaga's in the trailer. To be honest, yeah. so it wasn't not far it's, off. <laughs> pretty pretty Because that's because that thing. It is it is like like yeah. So it's not that. It's not over the top or ridiculous. Uh, Leto is the comic relief, and there, but then there's also I think they were counting on the audience being endeared to Leto because he's so wacky, which I think they kind of would be. But then at the at the peak of the second act, roughly, there's a sort of betrayal of sorts, and Leto has to do. Oh, why? Why are you betraying Luigi? He has to do a. Uh, uh, are you motherfucker? Are you motherfucker? You 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 do this to me, and it's like I can't. You can't try and do this and pretend you're being serious i can't you can't do why are you stabbing me in the back i can't you can't do this you just can't you've portrayed him as a clown and it's like you can have your funny characters take a serious turn to have the drama of the story really be hammered home but it's just too much it's just it's too farcical um and yeah and that's the thing it's like if if they if they had picked the tone uh and gone with it uh it probably would have been better um uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think like what else was was bothering. Oh, Adam Driver, who I think is a really talented actor. Again, I know nothing about these real life people. I assume this was on purpose because it's this is who this character was in real life, Maurizio uh, uh, Gucci. He's so robotic and he's so um, uh, deadpan. And so, like, uh, Leto's character, who's his cousin, constantly refers to him as, like, Mousy. He's the one who kind of never really wanted the Empire, but then suddenly kind of finds himself having it. And I guess, it's, I don't know if it's, like, committing to a bit, but Adam Driver seems like he is just standing there, and he's just reading them lines, and he's just like, uh, oh, Lady Gaga, I forgot your character's name, but Lady Gaga, I, I, we, will, we will not fight about this. No, we won't. I, I'm not. And it's kind of like... He kind of has a little bit of an arc of the humble, nice little hardworking guy who doesn't want the Empire, falls in love with a girl, absolutely loves her, worships the ground she walks on, gets a bit of success, and then the, the, the marriage falls apart. And I 
on some level, I kind of respect that he's playing it low. He's not doing the big, I'm an emperor owner now, get out of my life. He's not doing that, which is great. He's not doing the comical room trashing and 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 being an over-the-top villain. But he, the whole way through the film, he's just standing there and just saying the lines. And it's so flat and so hard to engage in. Um, yeah, it was a bummer. It was a bummer, and it was two and a half motherfucking hours long as well. Um, so another classic uh, uh, movie that is both too long and really boring as well. It wouldn't have been a good 90-minute movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, House of Gucci, big old thumbs down from me. Um, I think it'll be a very – it's a movie that will be discussed for quite a few years to come, I think. I think its its legacy will, will certainly be uh, mm. something. Um, and then last movie I watched a lot of movies this week again on the old uh, catch up for the year's end I watched Tick Tick Boom Uh, I'm sounding very culturally ignorant I also had no idea what this was based on Uh, I didn't know until like the end of the film when they said the guy wrote Rent that it was based on an actual person I thought it was just a goofy (laughs) Netflix movie about a guy who writes musicals I had no idea what it was all I thought, the, the, as far as I was concerned, this is just the uh, uh, Andrew Gar- Garfield gets bothered with Spider-Man questions press tour. Uh, I did not uh, know anything else about it. Uh, but yeah, it's about the, the guy who wrote Rent and his kind of struggles as a on-the-cusp-of-30-year-old composer in New York. Uh, you know, your classic story is, oh, I'm trying to break through, but I can't do it, coupled with the creeping anxiety of, okay, but now you have to pick a life to live you cannot just Mm -hmm. live in your little box apartment writing musicals until you die you're 30 now you have to you know it's got that it's got that i don't love musicals i thought it was okay you know it's kind of it's tough for for anything to crack um the next level beyond that with me it's also got quite a few layers i know joe you saw it i'm interested Mm -hmm. to hear what you thought about the framing of it, because it's basically someone telling the story of this guy by telling the story of him giving a performance and his performance is a Broadway show about him trying to write another Broadway show. It's like Inception. It's like there's like it's like uh, a woman telling a story about a man writing a play, performing a play about writing a play that didn't get made. And also in the story about him writing the story, he's singing a song a lot. It's very there's a lot going on. Um yeah, there is. What did you make of it? I I didn't find that aspect of it confusing. I actually I quite like that. Um, I thought it was quite easy to follow. I mean, I again, I only knew I knew he was the guy that wrote Rent. That was about it. Um, so going into it, didn't know too much, but I found it fairly kind of easy to follow. I, I maybe I just thought that there's kind of interludes where it shows him on stage performing right. what was a one man show about essentially the kind of subject matter of the movie. So the, the movie's an adaptation of that stage show, but also features the stage show in the movie, which, yeah. but I think it works quite well. Cause I kind of took it just as a, almost a stylistic choice of, you know, he's singing about the movie, about what's kind of the themes of the movie were almost a kind of an on the nose sort of uh, interlude. So that, that worked quite well for me. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's a movie about his struggles I mean, it's a strange one because because he ended up writing kind of Rent, which is all about um, you know creative people in New York and the AIDS crisis in the in the eighties and early nineties. His big struggle is that he's thirty, 
<laughs> which isn't that old. Right. <laughs> and he and he he's written a sh- bit of a shit musical or a good mu- like an okay musical one that no one wants to buy. So like it's not like he's going in a kind of life and death, you know. Oh my god, you know I've got to write this musical. Or, oh, the world is so it's quite kind of frothy in that sort of sense. But I did enjoy it a lot. I thought Andrew Garfield's uh, really good. Um, yeah, and I enjoyed I enjoyed the kind of songs the musical elements to it i thought they were a lot of fun so yeah it was, it was a good it was a good movie it's a it's it's probably a lot lighter than rent is yeah <laughs> the subject matter but yeah i definitely enjoyed i enjoyed the film i enjoyed the performances and um yeah and the style and, and the way it was kind of framed and style and everything i thought it was it was, it was a good good little movie yeah i like, I like garfield a lot i think he's yeah. i think he's good in basically everything he's in um yeah that was my movies for the week. Quite a lot, uh, Joe. What else did you watch this week? Um, well, I also watched a slightly different bit of a, bit of a gear change to watch a movie called Godzilla vs Kong. Ah, yes, another now, musical number. And that, well, very much so. Um, more choreography in this one. <laughs> um, so this is the fourth instalment in the uh, wonderfully named. Mon- is it the Monsterverse? It's yeah, the Monsterverse, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, the Monsterverse series, which goes all the way back, and I had to look this up because I, I couldn't quite remember. It goes all the way back to Gareth Edwards' God- 2014 Godzilla. Yes. And I was confused because I thought that was like another reboot. I had to go and check that they hadn't rebooted it again since then. But no, it's been seven long years of the uh, Monsterverse that we've been enjoying. Um, so I did see that first one. I think we would have discussed it at the time. Very boring. Uh, Brian Cranston gets killed off in like first ten minutes. I'm with Joe on this. I'm with Joe on this. You know, Paul's outnumbered. Paul, Paul loves it, but I, yeah, you'd be, I did, I didn't you'd be forgiven it. for thinking they were separate universes because then the second yeah. one, the second Godzilla movie, is like, what if we made this faster, but also shit? You know, <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, I did watch uh, the Kong Skull Island movie, which I quite enjoyed. Um, mm. It's kind of a, like a Vietnam esque seventies uh, era, like or sending in the army to fight a big monkey sort of um sort of movie but i did i, I quite enjoyed that for what it was i didn't see the most uh, the previous uh godzilla movie yeah, that's the worst uh, due to the bad reviews so to be honest going into this one i did find it incredibly confusing because i feel like an awful lot happened in that third movie that you would not understand if you only saw the first two Suddenly, there's like a whole load of extra monsters. There's all the lore about the being titans and the hollow. Uh, there's all this stuff. I'm like, what the fuck? I really should have watched that third one, or at least read, <laughs> or at least read the plot on Wikipedia so I knew what yeah, was going on. Just do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found I found the first hour of it pretty confusing and interminable. Um, all the human characters are boring and rubbish. And I don't care about any of them. Uh, and there's some good actors in there, like Scott Starsgard and um, Rebecca Hall uh, and some others. Um, and then there's also some really bad <laughs> actors in it, like Millie Bobby Brown and her yeah. m- mate, who somehow is even more oh. annoying than her. Yeah, um, I forgot about his friend, yeah. Yeah, they were dreadful. They, and their whole plot about trying to find this guy who hosts a podcast so that they can break into this <laughs> top-secret facility to, for, I don't know, to confront um, basically an uh, an Alan Rickman impersonator um, who's 
one of the worst actors I think I've ever seen. I don't know what that guy's been in other than yeah. this, but he was fucking dreadful. Um, so all that's going on. And then and the other stuff on the ship where they're transporting Kong to Antarctica, it was like, well, just like, just hurry up. We don't want to watch this. Just get to the Antarctica. It's boring. Um, and then about, I'd say, probably an hour in, they get to the Hollow Earth, which is basically the middle of Earth where all these like monsters live or something. And Kong finds a big shiny axe that was built by his ancestors from the bones of Godzilla's ancestors. Uh, and he sits on a big throne um, that his ancestors sat on. And to be honest, from there, I started to quite enjoy it. Um, at that point it got very silly and then immediately from there they go to I think it was Hong Kong but it basically could be just a generic neon looking city by some water and it's incredibly bright and they just have a really silly it's like a kind of backstage uh, wrestling street fight essentially between Godzilla and Kong and it was quite fun and they're just punching each other and they're doing big spots and kind of set pieces and yeah I quite enjoyed it from then on and then, like, a robot Godzilla shows up, and that's quite fun as well. And, um, yeah, it's pretty good. It was, it was that, that was kind of silly enough and big and spectacular enough to, to make it kind of enjoyable overall. Yeah. But for me, the first hour really did just, I, I thought about switching it off. I, I was so bored, I started to read the, the IMDb trivia, <laughs> um, which is full of like 300 word long entries from people who are really into Godzilla talking oh, about God. references to the old movies and how oh, this, yeah. this may seem trivial, but actually it's, if, you, if you compare this to the 1972 uh, son of Godzilla versus Mothman, it's, it's <laughs> a reference. It's like, yeah. And, and actually reading some of the director's comments that were in the trivia, I think softened my kind of attitude mm. to the movie. Cause I kind of, I liked the way he approached it at one point. He, he compares, um, he compares Godzilla to the undertaker uh, and says that Kong is John McClane. That's how he kind of looked at it in terms right. of the characters. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure it comes across. That was kind of interesting though. I like what he's, what he's doing with that. Um, yeah. So I kind of, I was satisfied with it at the end, but honestly I could have just watched that last 45 minutes and gone. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. Especially they've already done three movies. I mean, yeah. you don't need all that other stuff. They could have just done like a 45 minute pay-per-view. Uh, spectacular Kong versus Godzilla. Skip the skip the movie. No one cares. No one cares. So uh, yeah, it was all right. At least it, it wasn't was... two hours twenty. Like no, almost. and it was a reasonable length. Which yeah. God, although God doors hate us, Joe. That is a line for that movie. Remember when we gave out that? that back in the day? Ugh. How do you remember that? Millie Bobby's Millie Bobby Brown's little mate. Oh yeah. The door closes behind them and he goes, Ugh, doors hate us. Oh, shut up. Jesus idiot. Christ. Is it the kid from Deadpool 2? Is that who it is? I think it is, yeah. Oh, God. I liked him in that movie. He says, yeah. doors hate us. That's a line that someone wrote and then they put it in the movie and then they acted it and said, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. The secret thing about the MonsterVerse is that it basically sucked. It was like, you've like... <laughs> One movie that was a little too up its own arras. Um, <laughs> Not at all. Not at and, all. And featured barely any monstro action. They need a second movie. Uh, it was like, it was all right. It was King Kong. It was, it was fair enough. It was yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I would, I was about to say I would never watch the end. Wrong. 
if it was on ITV on Christmas Day, I would probably fall asleep in front of it, I would say. Which I would think there's good money that could happen in the near future. Right. Then they'd Godzilla 2, big old pile of poo-poo, big old unwatchable. Yes. Similar ratio to what Joe just described. Just a bunch of absolutely horrific actors talking for an hour. Mm. Oh, wait, she can sense fucking Godzilla or some shit and and then like eventually they do a big fight which is which is alright you know yeah. and then this one uh, this one I think that, I think this one is fine you know um, yeah big old I assume they're doing more I don't know I assume they are they only had the rights for four films I believe so I think it's a bit up in the air well that's alright we don't need I mean we they were need. they were quite successful actually yeah so. Who knows? But I, I assume there will be some other American endeavor, endeavor for Godzilla in the near future. That's up to certain. Toho, I think. It's up to Toho, yeah. But I'm sure that you know, I'm sure they'd they, they'd be down with that. And let's not forget, like Dwayne Johnson, I've seen every Godzilla film. Yes, <laughs> which, ra- which well. ratio was better? Which ratio was better? Oh, Dwayne Johnson for sure. The majority of Godzilla films are horrendous. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's like a good. I think there, I've se- I've seen thirty. Eight Godzilla films. Okay, and I'd say of that, I would probably recommend like seven. <laughs> right to non like hardcore. I'm not a hardcore Godzilla fan. I think most of them are rubbish, but seven of them are like quite good. Are, are perfectly watchable. Uh, but Godzilla King of the Monsters is not one of them. That film sucked. Mm-hmm. Although on rewatch, I was a bit kinder to it than I was when I originally watched it. I hated it. On rewatch, I was like, okay, I still hate it, but there's bits of it that I can at least enjoy. Uh, you guys are, are wrong about the first one. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look, I understand the complaints about the first one. I don't, they don't uh, annoy me in the same way, but I understand that people can, can uh, be annoyed by that, so that's fine. Uh, we will uh, jump into the game guff here. Yes. Uh, Paul, what have you been playing this week? Well, first of all, I bought these rechargeable batteries from my Xbox controller. Mm. Lovely. Um, so I don't have to buy fucking batteries anymore. Stupid yes. Xbox. So you can't charge it. I think yeah, you can play much. it. You can play it plugged in like it's 1997. Yes. I yeah. ain't doing that. I like to be untethered when I play my Xbox. Tablet. Absolutely. Uh, so I bought these little batteries off Amazon. So I haven't given them a try yet because my controller's batteries are still running. But once they do, I'm gonna throw these these in. So you get two, um, two, two sets of these. They're like they're like double A batteries in one little deal. Hmm. And so you charge one, put it in the Xbox, and then charge the other one, and then swap them back. So you're you're never out of batteries anymore. Excellent. Nice. And also, you can charge it with um. Micro USB C and B, but also it comes with its own cable connected to the charging bit. Excellent. So it's got three different ways of charging. Lovely. Little that's a good. Little, that's a good little, uh, gadget you got there. A little gimmick there, yeah. But anyway, talking about real video games, um, I've been playing two games, uh, recently: Death Stranding on the PS4 and Fallout Three on the Xbox. Finished the both of them because I'm Ooh. fucking hardcore. I'm interested um, in your Death Stranding take, maybe. Yeah, so Death Stranding... Let's start with Fallout, then. Um, okay. <laughs> Fallout 3. I've beaten it before. 100% of it before. This time round, I, I wasn't really arse. I, I just wanted to jump back into the world, so I didn't do really any exploring. Just kind of mainlined the uh, the main quest. Did a few side quests here and there. Did a little bit of exploring, but only on if I was on the way to another objective. Probably beat in, like, 
13, 14 hours. Um, so I, as a result, I, it didn't feel super satisfied. I don't feel very satisfied having been it because it, it, it's a very short main quest, which is supposed to be uh, supplemented with a lot of exploring and a lot of side questing and a lot of that, which I didn't bother to do. Uh, which I have promised to myself I will do when I play New Vegas. Because New Vegas is the opposite. I never 100%ed New Vegas. I only mm. put 15 hours, maybe not even 15 hours, on my first playthrough. So I'm going to treat New Vegas as if I'm playing it for the first time. And I'm okay. properly going to 100%ed. Uh, so yeah, I feel like, okay, I'm very happy to jump back into the Fallout 3 world. I love that game, and I, I will always love that game. But... This playthrough, I, I, yeah, I got to the end of it and felt, oh, that's it. I, I, maybe I wasn't in the right mindset to, to, to play through, and maybe it's just not a game that holds up to not being played in the spirit of a first playthrough of being mainlined. Yeah. It doesn't really hold up as a, as a game that you can mainline, unlike something like a platformer or maybe some other genre of game. And um, so we'll see how New Vegas holds up um, on a new playthrough. Let's say. Because I only played New Vegas when I was living in France, when we were on episode 32 of CSP. <laughs> um, I would have been playing New Vegas back then. And so I did, that's why I, did, I didn't... I, I know New Vegas had a lot more branching paths, story-wise, that Fallout 3 didn't have. And so I didn't really... At the time, I wasn't in the mood of replaying games and doing the other path or creating a save right. at this point and going back to it. I just like, I beat the game. All right, onto, onto Uncharted 2 or whatever. Um, so I'm looking forward to giving uh, New Vegas a proper go. So yeah, Fallout 3, thumbs up, generally speaking, this playthrough. Uh, it was fun to kind of jump back into it, but I, I didn't get a lot of uh, fulfillment from it. Okay. Now, onto the main event. Death Stranding. Finished it. It's done. Okay, um, let's hear it. Playtime, 35 and a half hours. Okay, healthy, okay. yeah. Yeah, which is a good length. Um, I did very little in the way of side questing, um, which aren't really side quests. There are just there are other types of deliveries you could do that do not progress the main story. That are more just like more more stuff to do to buff up your stats, kind of right mm. in a sense, I guess. Very little of that. So if you if you're interested in Death Stranding as a kind of Main story plus some extras, but not really going out of your way to do them. You're looking at about 35 and a half hours. That's what it took me. Um, so, story-wise, I've kind of bigged up the story of Death Stranding a little bit previously, right? I'm going to go on record and say that it's probably the the most uh, impressed I've been with the, the narrative aspect of a video game. Um... To the point, and Barry's going to be, be shocked when he hears this. And Go this on. is, and I'm going to preface this by saying that this is a personal preference. This is not an objective, well, course, yeah. an objective statement. There are no objective but statements. To me, this this made like things like The Last of Us look super uh, simple and super like, yeah, it's good. But uh, this is like, what? <laughs> it, it made, to, to steal a phrase... Um, uh, I, let me just tangent for a second. Uh, this, the phrase I'm going to steal is, my brother was in the cinema watching Return of the King, right, back when that came right. out in 2003. And there was a little kid sitting in front of him. And the battle was happening, whatever the battle in Return of the King, is the big battle at the end. And he, tur- the little kid turned to the mother and said, the battle in this movie makes the other battle, meaning 
the Battle of Helm's Deep in Two Towers. The battle in this movie makes the other battle look like a baby fighting a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I said to him when I talked to him uh, this morning, I said, the the story in Death Stranding makes stories like in Last of Us and Last of Us 2 and stuff of that ilk uh, look like a baby fighting a baby. but what? Let me, let me, let me, let me pick your brain on that. Go I mean, why? Uh, but like, because I, I, I don't know what the the specifics of the story are. Yes. I've, I've, I've heard, and that's broad. the best way to go into it. To be honest, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, what moved you about the story? Other than it, it, I understand it is quite. Oh, it's quite creative, and yeah. Creative and kind of like what I was saying earlier about like censor. It's not literal. It's the least literal thing ever in a lot of ways, to an extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there's also while while it's a sci-fi, it's at its core is, is a really creative sci-fi. Um, that for the mo- for the longest time seems like it's it's this impenetrable. I don't really understand what's happening, but I like how this looks. So I'm going along for the ride. By the end, it's, it really draws you into the like emotional core that's been there the whole time without you realizing. Uh, and there's some bits right. towards the end where you're really like heart in mouth, like, oh my god, okay. this is properly properly chipping away at the old heart here. Um, so just to get into the the obviously there'll be no spoilers, but just get into the little little details. So you you play as Nor- Norman Reedus, um whose character is called Sam. And you are you are for for want of a better term, you are a delivery man. Um and the gameplay loop which we've talked about before, which I I definitely can see people who uh reviewed the game in in a, like middling. A lot I, I watched some reviews of it since I finished it. The reviews are mostly like the 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 game play itself is too slow, too laborious, too boring. Da, da, da. Like I was saying earlier about Godzilla, like I totally get that as a criticism. I didn't find it to be boring. I didn't find it to be any of those things. I found the loop weirdly compelling. Mm. The loop being, for the most part, you are at point A. It's basically like a fetch quest. You are at point A. You got to take this all the way to fucking point B. Don't fall off a cliff while you're going. Don't drop the, the package into a lake. Don't get eaten by a dinosaur. Go over that way and do it. And at the start, it, it, I, at the start, I was a little bit like, is that it? And I just think, all right, da, 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 walk over, drop my thing off. There. And it was all very simple. I was like, oh, it's because this for 30 hours? I don't know if that's, this is really going to be for me. Yeah. But as you progress through the game, you, you are, constantly are unlocking new abilities, new items that allow you to traverse the ever-changing environment in easier and more satisfying ways. So I talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago that I had unlocked this little truck that I was driving around in and I was just fucking loving life. I built this little road between two of the uh, destinations to the right. delivery points and I was just driving along in my little truck and I was like, this is the best game ever. Um, <laughs> of course, there's there's also, along the way, there's also combat. There's There are boss fights. Um there's lots of uh, the the gameplay itself is also changing as you go along. It's not simply a delivery sim, but it's got excellent graphics, excellent um, music, and the cutscenes, and thus the story, are 
um, at times, like I said, impenetrable, confusing, and yet undeniably creative in a way that you're like constantly impressed by. You're like, what? Wow. Mm. Wow. I'd never have seen something like this. I never saw the story going in this direction. But the strength of it isn't necessarily that. The strength of it is the characters that it introduces and the relationships that get built throughout the story. Like, the story in the 35 and a half hours has, like, seven core characters that you meet along the way. Okay. And the mystery, I guess, to an extent, is who are these people and what is their relationship to you as the lead character? And um, there's some twists along the way, of course, that are super jarring but also super satisfying when it all plays out the story unlike censor does wrap up in a very neat bow so as confused as you might be for the first i don't know however long of the game by the end by the end you totally understand what everything has been you know there's 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 very little um left open to interpretation by the end you pretty much by the end of the game, know what know what story is, um, and I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to justify how much I enjoyed the story without explicitly talking about aspects of it that I don't want to mention because I feel like it would take away from the experience of you playing it for the first time, for example. Okay, I think but, I I think I am going to play it based on you. you've given it a good sell, so I feel like I am going to. Yeah, I mean, I think the weakest aspect, if if there was one, would be that. The, the gameplay, like I think I only really had one moment where I felt like I wish I wasn't walking twenty minutes back in that direction because there was right. there, there, there was one bit where you kind of go way out of your way to drop off a package or whatever, and you have to walk all the way back to continue the. You know, I wish I could just mm, now right. fast travel, and there is fast travel in the game. I didn't use it much because. Um, you can't take your inventory with with you when you fast travel, which is not not that much of a problem because the game, like I said, constantly allows you to like make equipment and make inventory. Um, and the game isn't particularly scroungy with the resources to make inventory. I never found myself like, oh, I haven't got any metal. I'd spend an hour grinding for metal. I never right. had that. I never had that. You always more or less have enough stuff to make what you need. Go out and do it. Um. And yeah, I mean, I, I I think in the last week since we spoke, I think I played like 15 more hours of it. So I really got into like, right, we're on the home stretch. Let's, let's get into it. Hmm. And it was funny because one of the hallmarks of a good game or a good TV series or whatever it might be is, is when you're not watching it or you're not playing it, you're thinking about watching or playing it. Yes. And I, I got that for Death Stranding. Okay. Not, not until I was like 15, 20 hours in. And I know, um, it's not it's not often a good recommendation when you have to say to somebody after five hours it gets really good. It's like Yeah. No, don't tell me that. Don't tell me I'm gonna to have to pay for five hours before I enjoy. Yeah. I don't think that's the case, but the game is definitely at its strongest in the the latter half, let's say. Okay. Um Yeah, I mean I really, really enjoyed it. There's some aspects of it that aren't great. Uh, if I was really to nitpick, like I found some of the combat was a bit finicky and the controls for that weren't the best. Okay. And and sometimes when you're walking up a hill, uh, you'll just fall down the hill and it doesn't give you some, sometimes any warning. Like usually when you're walking on a uneven terrain, 
you like hold the L2 and R2 triggers so that your character like is balanced. You like hold on to his little right back, and and you you generally it's very hard for you to fall down if you're holding those. Uh, the real life effect being your fingers get tired of holding those buttons, so you can't rely on them all the time. Obviously. But it's not like you just fall down. Like, ah, just hold the buttons. Why do you fall down? Um, but I don't know. I wouldn't nitpick much about it. I thought it was a really, really enjoyable game. More so for the story than the gameplay. Right. But it's one of those games where you want to do the deliveries to get the next bit of the story. You're right. Okay. You know what I mean? And there's great performances in it. There's one in particular. I won't mention what scene it is. Hopefully, in, in playing through it, you'll know what I mean. There's one uh, scene towards the end, um, performance-wise, because there's lots of people in the game that you will recognize. There's obviously you've probably in trailers you've seen like Guillermo del Toro's Maz Mikkelsen, uh, yeah, Maz Mikkelsen. But um, there was one cutscene towards the end where I was really, really impressed by the performance in it to the point that I was thinking like, if this was a film. This would be like Oscar worthy. <laughs> this would be like watching a good Oscar worthy performance and thinking this fucking guy better get Oscar, Oscar nominated for this movie. Um, some really good shit in there. Uh, there's one moment as well towards the end where the pace does slow down just a little bit too much. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, I I really really enjoyed it. I'm happy I played it. It's uh, certainly a game like no other. It's it's like I said, probably the best story I've ever experienced in a game. The sci-fi is super strong, but the character stuff is is equally strong. Great performances across the board. The cutscenes are incredible looking. Um, I'm sure if the if, if the ability for you to play it is uh, that that director's cut on PS5, yeah, probably be the way to go. But like even on PS4 Pro, uh, I was really impressed by the cutscenes and how the the faces move. It's not, I don't know, what's a random game where you have flappy mouth. It's, oh, it's, it's not that the characters move it, it, it's really photorealistic it's really really impressive um and now i'm done with it which means i'm ready for wednesday for halo infinite to come out now originally my plan was halo infinite for christmas but i think um with banjo tui for christmas potentially one potentially san andreas if there's you know maybe another patch out before christmas i might give right. san andreas a go um, I think now that Death Stranding is finished, now that Fallout is finished, I might just crack onto Halo. Yeah, it it'll be fun to jump in when everyone else is jumping in. You know, I'll I'll be giving it a go. I'm, it's close I'm enough sure. to Christmas anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, I forgot that was yeah that was out. People seem to people who have given the multiplayer a go seem pretty happy with it. Um, yeah, I don't I don't care about multiplayer, but uh, I uh, yeah I'll, I'll I'll give both a go. I'll see which. Although actually, now that I think about it, because I'm kind of like in game of the year cleanup mode, I do have you know a, a, a podcast to go on and engage in battle about what one is actually best, and I feel like Halo is going to be a non-factor because it's debuting so late. So I'm kind of thinking I might need to push that back and finish what I'm currently playing and, and jump yeah. in later. Plus, also you know it's a it's a very popular game that's also going to be on Game Pass, which means it'll probably be on fire for the first week. Um, so so there is that um as for what i am actually playing at the moment uh i uh, put a few more hours into guardians of the galaxy on the ps5 that game is really neat i really like it i think it's um it's uh got some pretty solid writing on it 
Um, uh, it's doing nothing excellently, but it's doing a lot of things well, which I appreciate. It's not quite, uh, you know, it, it is not telltale in, in its, in its uh, story choice and nuance, but there are lots of, you're constantly talking. This is probably the most VO I've seen a collection of, of main characters um, have in a in a triple A video game maybe ever uh, uh, even taking into account the size of it it's a linear you know ten hour game or a fifteen hour game uh, and it feels like there's enough dialogue in there to fill up The Witcher mm. um, like in between major story beats you go back to your ship and it's a classic it's a little bit of a mass affecting you potter around you interact with objects you talk to your crew uh, you go over to your workbench and you work on your weapons and outside of even when you are not interacting with them. When you're pottering around your ship, the characters are talking nonstop, and not in an annoying way. I realize that could be annoying. I mean, there's a little bit of marvelly quippy stuff in there, but in general, general, they are talking and talking and talking and talking. They're talking to each other. They're talking to you. They're asking for a response. Then you go over and you have, like, say, a particular story bit of dialogue with them. They're jabbering back and forth about how this thing does work. You go over, you close the fridge. It's like a recurring joke where the fridge is constantly open. They're commenting on that. Drax is sitting around reading a book and he's commenting on how he doesn't like the book. It's like so much dialogue in this game. And and the story missions then are are, are the same as well. Constant talking the whole way through it. And it's got that little AAA touch where when you, as I always do, are not going on the mission critical path because you want to get a shiny trinket or a costume. Uh, I, I now have all of the movie costumes, by the way, so I can put them in their their uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2014 outfits. Uh, I found them all. Every time you do that, they're like, hey, what are you doing, you fucking idiot? That's not the way you go. And it's like, ah, I'm going over here because I'm exploring. Shut up. They have like dialogue for everything you do in there. It's it's good. Like it, it, it's it's mostly good. The jokes are funny. The the they do background stuff that I wasn't aware of, or that's not really gone into in the movies. They have like origin stuff for like Rocket in there. Um, this picks up on like the comic canon where like Drax kills Thanos. That's looked at a little bit. Um, there's tons of Drax Gamora stuff because there's like a distrust there. It's really good. And then on the gameplay front, again, it's not, you know, uh, God of War or even like Spider-Man level of combat. You as Star-Lord have a pretty limited moveset. You can uh, uh, you can shoot, you can charge a shot, you can dodge, you can do a brief hover, and then you have a special ability. But the real thing is that you can highlight an enemy, press L1 to enter Guardians mode, and you can basically pick from like a laundry list of moves that you can have the other characters do. And there's a little bit of a people management during uh, the fights because Groot has a crowd control move. Uh, Drax, you can sick him on like the toughest enemy because Drax will just rip through one enemy at a time uh, and all that other stuff. And, and and even though it's not the deepest combat system in the world, it's interesting enough uh, 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 to, to, to keep you kind of entertained as you move to the next chase sequence or or dialogue choice or whatever it is it's it's it kind of feels like it's a a days gone by a classic b game uh uh, where it's it's got a lot of charm and it's not reinventing the wheel with any of its mechanics but it's 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 got enough to keep you entertained i'm 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 glad i picked it up um and also even though i did just call it like a b game it looks fantastic it's a great looking game uh, uh, very nice looking, uh, has a nice, unique kind of art style. Anytime these Marvel things come out, they don't, they do this weird thing where they try and emulate the movie without having the movie license. It's so odd. I don't know why, now, like multiple studios have done that, 
But once you get over it, it's like these. I think these characters look good. You can get all these cool outfits for them, uh, and I think it's a thumbs up. I, I I picked it up on sale. I would probably I give it a thumbs up, but I would say. I don't know if it's a 70 or 80 quid purchase if you're buying it on a next-gen system. It's not quite that. Um, there are little um, rough aspects of it. Like, there's a lot of really cool animations. Uh, you can, ju- If you see Gamora melee attacking someone, you can run up and you can melee attack them. And they'll do a special animation where you knock a guy into the air and then she cuts him midair. Stuff like that's really cool. And then not so cool is, like, if you do the thing I mentioned earlier where you point at an enemy and you say, Drax, go get him. He doesn't have a fancy animation where he teleports or 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 backflips or jumps over. Uh, the character model literally disappears and just reappears over right next to the 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 enemy you pointed it at. Uh, that looks for a game that looks really good. Uh, anytime you do that, any, regardless of which character you pick, anytime you sick a guardian on an enemy, it literally just jumps the character model immediately next with no attempts to hide that that's what they're doing. And it's like that's. That looks borderline unfinished for a for a triple A AAA game. So yeah, but you know it's 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 a thumbs up. I think it's a solid uh, uh, sales purchase. Uh, I am <laughs> struggling through Metroid Dreads um, currently. I can't remember the last time I was as frustrated as I am with this game. Um, it has one of the more annoying control schemes. I can recall this side of like the PlayStation one. Do you know what I mean? Like back, back in the day when controls were not standardized, um, it's got like, it's just, uh, so it's classic Metroid formula where the more you, you go through the game, you unlock, uh, navigation abilities. And, um, uh, it's like it's like a, a bittersweet moment when you clear a section and you get the morph ball or there's a grappling hook, which every video game that has a grappling hook should be a moment of joy to realize you've got the grappling hook. But it's then it's just like, oh, what? They've put it on what button? They put it on what? Oh, okay. So like left trigger is crouch slash morph ball, but right bumper is grapple hook and x is still shoot or y or whichever one it is on the switch it's just like it's a real head fuck and when you've got uh really tough enemies like they have an an invulnerable enemy in the game that kills you in one hit the emmy it's like the gimmick of the game it's like you're being stalked by a predator uh through the game um i love that mechanic and i hate it because sometimes it's very uh, gratifying to escape from it but also when you're faffing around with the controller and it catches you and you're like well i i'm literally feel like despite being five hours in every time i pick this game up it's like the fucking first time i've played it because i can't wrap my head around the controls uh i'm on a boss fight now and i don't know (laughs) i'm kind of at a point where i don't know if i'm going to go back to the game because it's a it's a boss fight that involves bobbing and weaving and dodging the projectiles and then trying to use the grappling hook to hook to a certain part of the wall and aim and shoot while you're grappled. And it's like, uh, I've got like three triggers held at once and I'm using the right stick to aim and I'm pressing X to shoot. And I'm like, this feels like dog shit. It feels like dog shit. It's terrible. I can't, I like, and I, I'm like, I can't get it to work. And I hate this feeling of like, I, I know what to do and I can't communicate it through to the game properly. Um, uh, and it's just one of those things where, like, I heard this even in the glowing reviews. I heard, oh, you know, the controls are, you know, not the best. I'm like, not the 
best. Like, even if you love every other aspect of this game, I don't know how people could say that, like, the, the scores that this game got, I'm like, how with this control scheme? It's basically unplayable in handheld mode, and I do mean that. It is genuinely with those little tiny bumpers and triggers on the on the Joy Cons, and and you're and it's on the screen you're holding. It is genuinely, it is literally almost uh, like unplayable. And I'd say it's probably not much better docked with the Joy Cons. Uh, uh, I'm lucky I have a, a Pro controller, which not everyone has because they're fucking overpriced as fuck. Um, so yeah, super mixed on. I also like you know. <laughs> I think it looks good. I think it has a decent soundtrack. I don't think either of those aspects are amazing. I think it's an okay-looking sci-fi game. Mm. I'm not. I'm not tripping over myself to call it the best-looking thing ever, especially in a year where like Returnal came out. Returnal looks ten million times better than this game. Uh, so mixed on that, uh, um, uh, and that's kind of why I started this next game because I was like, you know what, Metro. I'm having a lot of frustration with Metroid, so. Instead of finishing this and starting a new game, I'm just putting Metroid to the back of the queue. I think until I, I might make time for it again later. Yeah. Well, uh, people, you have Super Metroid on the on the Switch Online anyway. If people want, well, yeah. I but the thing I've I've never been a Metroid guy is the other thing. So I've played the old. I've never finished them. Obviously, I've just I've just never. I love Metroid style games. Every time I try and play actual Metroid, I'm like I don't. <laughs> Don't like this. <laughs> I just nah, don't really uh, like it. Super Metroid. Super Metroid is great. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever played Super Metroid. Maybe I'll give that a go. Um, but yeah, because the the thing the thing it was evoking to me. Now these are this is apples and oranges. I'll admit that. But y- you and I both love Ghost of Tsushima. Now that is a game with seven hundred million different kinds of commands you can enter. And even though I'd still say they crammed too much, I think they did a pretty graceful job of fitting it all on the controller like and your stances and the stances like and i would still say it's too much but it's fine like you know i never i basically never i would sometimes forget about mechanics because some of them are very optional and you don't need them but i would basically never think of something i wanted to do and would not be able to do it, which is the ultimate litmus test to me that's the test if i want to do something and i physically can't that's the problem. Uh, a better example, my buddy Sean mentioned to me when I was tweeting in a blind rage about how annoyed I was. <laughs> he made the comparison to Ori. And I was like, that's a brilliant comparison because it's literally the exact same genre of game. It's a 2D Metroid game. Those games are just Metroid, but with a, a fantastical Disney aesthetic. Like Ghost of Shima, it's a Metroid game, but it has 10 million different things on the controls. So much so that you actually can reassign the buttons. It's like a mechanic in Ori that you can actually reassign what the face buttons do. And again, I was like, a million different moves and, and tactics in that game. I never, and that game's hard. I died a lot in that game. I never said to myself, you know what? The controls are pissing me off. No matter how many times I died, I never looked at the controls and said, what am I doing here? Uh, so Metroid is, 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 is frustrating me, but I, uh, I did, uh, uh, in lieu of playing that today, I did fire up uh, for the first time. I started Psychonauts 2, uh, which is also on the old Game Pass. Um, and I played about three hours of it. And I really, 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 really liked it. Uh, was it this calendar year? I think, yeah, it was this year I started playing Psychonauts 1 uh, in preparation for 2. And I think I talked about it on this show. It's just, it, it hasn't aged horribly. It's aged just enough that I wasn't able to finish it. I was just yeah. like, I, I was playing the PS2 version emulated on PS5. Big stretched out 2004 textures on a HDTV. It was just, it looked bad. And it was like, cause it's like, I was thinking like, this, this is a bad, but this is, this is not how this game was supposed to be played. And it's just not hitting for me. Um, but even with that limited experience, I did enjoy it. And then I booted up two and I was like, Oh, this is like 
what this game kind of should look like. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like a yeah. fully real. It looks fantastic. It sounds great. Controls are actually fairly similar, but they're a little bit more responsive, a little bit more snappy. Uh, I really, really like it. And I'll tell you what, I, I, you haven't played any of these games, Paul, have you? I have never. I think you would like Psychonauts 2, and I'll tell you why, because I re- I kind of realized this as I was playing it about Psychonauts 1, but, but 2 definitely. It's a platformer. It's a kind of narrative-heavy game. It's very, it's a very much stylish. But it's also, it's a little bit of a collectathon. It's not quite Donkey Kong 64 levels of (laughs) currency, but there are 10 million different things to collect in this game. There is regular currency to buy stuff. There is cards you collect that you have to combine with a separate collectible to get level ups. There are intern points in this game because the joke is like you're an intern at basically like Psychic MI6 is the joke, basically. There are intern points that you use to upgrade. There are figments of an imagination that are that uh, are scattered around each individual like I- internal person's brain level. There is emotional baggage that you have to uh, 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 find in each level. There is... Uh, there's tons of mental health and brain related puns in the game the way you 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 create an extra bar on your health bar is you'll find a little half of a brain in the level and it pops up and says you have half a mind and then the character goes i have a half a mind to find the other half of this mind and then you go and find the other so it, some levels have two brain halves for, around to get health there's a collectible for a uh, 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 side mission there's a collectible for this this you are collecting like you have a, a, a journal like you do in most video games where it's like here's your map here's your characters here's your missions and there's a page that's like here's here's your 10 currencies and collectibles you have and what you have on your person um so it's very much a uh, scratch that kind of itch mm. um the hub world in this game in the first game it was a summer camp in this game like i said it's like you basically go to psychic mi6 and it, actually you know what it kind of reminds me of is the uh, the central area in men in black where all the little office space where everyone's running around and going all crazy you kind of get there and it's got that kind of metroidvania quality where it's like i can see collectibles in the distance but i can't get them yet but i know i'll be back here later and i'm gonna get that little card up on that ledge uh, so it scratches that itch, uh, yeah. But it's really good. It's it's really good, um, uh, and it um, it's it's got a lot of interesting character stuff. Again, like the first game, it's all about like jumping into people's heads, and and you do platforming in there. But you're trying to, you're trying to figure out their motivations, or in some cases their origin stories. And there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, I've heard and I've heard it also gets even better in the second half. So um, that's a that, that's a recommendation for sure on the old game yeah, pass. So, I, well, I I love banjo and I love collecting stuff, so that might be. Uh, a few and I think you'll I think you will like the vibe of the game as well. I think it's the the animation style and the humor. I think it's up your street. I think you'll you'll nice. get the kick out of it. I hope you don't have any kind of tooth related phobias though. Um, it pops up a, a little disclaimer at the so it has access. First thing it does, which is great, is accessibility settings, which is great. Once you yeah. set those, it gives you like a, a list of disclaimers, and it's like this is you know this is a game that in a relatively light tone, but still deals with some kind of heavy topics, PTSD, addiction, and stuff like that. So just please be aware. And they also say if you have any of the following phobias, and it's like vomit uh, uh, or uh, teeth or dental work, and I was like mm, that's weird. I mean I'm not I'm not a big fan of any of those things but that's fine the first level the, the the big bad from like the first game is a disgraced dentist turned wannabe brain surgeon um so you know he's got like a claws for hands and he's gonna butcher you that's the whole thing and so you're in his mind for the first level and there's is, there is actually some fairly grotesque like teeth level geometry uh that's that's actually quite gross but again it's mm. it's it's got a kind of saturday morning kind of cartoon sheen to it there's certain elements of it are just a little bit red and stimpy 
Um, uh, you know, that, that just made me think of um, Trover Saves the Universe, by the way, which I loved. Which I still haven't gotten around to actually, and I only and I only realized from watching um, the half in the bag about censor that that Red Letter Media has stuff in that game. Yeah, they did an ad for it. I had I had never heard of that until I heard them themselves talk about it on a half in the bag. Anyway, that is that is the um, that's the game guff for me there. Oh, um, by the way, uh, Death Stranding. Very, very weird cameos in it along those lines. Conan O'Brien shows up in it. I know Conan's in it. I heard Keeley's in it. Um, of yeah. course, Kojima and Keeley with their and weird. Every film director you've ever heard of. Oh, I hope my man. I was about to make a joke and <laughs> reference the guy who directs those Spider Man movies. I have no fucking idea what his name is. John Watts. What? It's so funny that he's possibly about to become like the director of like one of the most successful films yeah. of the modern era. And if you were to John ask Watts. me, just describe a trait of a John Watts film, I would probably say uh, has Spider Man in it. Like, <laughs> be the, yeah, it's like I could not tell you. Uh, anyway, that is Game Golf. Uh, as well, we get here, there's one more game on the list. Who, who's Go on. Played, who's played oh. Um Yeah, no, no uh, video games. No GTA this week. I'm, I'm a little break from GTA 3. Um, but Michelle and I have been playing a game, not a video game, a card game. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Called called Flux. Yes. Um, so there's this. It's a kind of a long running series of games. There's a lot of sort of variations on it, mm-hmm. sort of pop pop culture variations on it. But we we got the original uh, finally. Uh, Michelle bought it for someone as a secret Santa, and she got us a, a set as well. Yeah. Um, so essentially, a card game. You get a deck of cards. That's it. And essentially, the the kind of concept of it is that you you change the rules and the way the game is played depending on what cards you're given. Yeah. So how many cards you pick up, how many you play, what the aim of the game is, what the rules are, the, the punishments and everything are all decided by picking up another card and then you know, how you use that card. So yeah, we played a few games of it this after this afternoon and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it does get quite complicated when you're adding new rules over time. We had like five or six different new rules going and yeah. we were like, wait, wait on what? How many cards is it? Oh, throw- no. <laughs> are you making notes? Are you making notes? Or are you just trying to remember off the top of your head? Uh, no, no, no. You've, you've, so you've got these like rules cards, which you can kind of swap in and out. Um, so you kind of lay them out in front. There's a whole kind of setup of how it's laid out as well. Mm. But yeah, really, really kind of fun game. I can imagine it gets really complicated if you've got like four people, five people playing. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I already want to get the expansion pack. And play, play another one. But, yeah, yeah. We, we have Batman Flux. Batman Flux. It's, it's extremely fun. Yeah, so so it is, it is a card game, but it has elements of board game to it because like mm. Joe said, you have to lay lay out the the game area in a specific way so you have your section of rules cards and on your turn i might play a rules card that's draw five cards so now instead of drawing one card in your turn you draw five Mm. and you have a certain limit of how many you can play right and it's the same in normal uh flux joe is that there's like a goal card which sets the the parameters for what winning the game means. So it yeah. might be oh, have, have these in the Batman one. It's like have these specific hero cards, Batman, Batgirl, Robin, yeah. whatever combination and have Wayne Manor location card. Yeah. If you have them in your hand, you win. But before your turn, someone could change the goal card. And yeah. the card you have is useless. Like, um, 
the Batman one I found a, as a, a nice gateway, nice accessible way to play it because you can mm. um, figure out the way Flux works in a general sense, but through the prism of all right, these are the goodies, these are the baddies, right? And so that that made it a bit easier, right? But yeah, Flux is easy, one of the most fun card games I've ever played. It's really good, really good. Do they have? I'm just looking here. Ba- yeah, Batman Flux. Oh wow, they've got Marvel Flux, SpongeBob Flux. I, I've not heard. I've not heard of this game at all. But they've obviously got a lot of. Uh, they've had a lot of success, obviously. Um, the Batman one has lots of like allusions to real stories and stuff. So the gold mm-hmm. card will be like have Batman and Mister Freeze, and it'll be like oh something to do with Batman or Robin. You know, it'll have like allusions like that that are that are quite clever. Okay, this uh, yeah, this this looks cool. Yeah, I, I might check this out. It's it's really fun, really really fun. One of the best card games I've ever played, yeah. for sure. Wow! So big thumbs up to Michelle. She absolutely nailed on that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, big ups Michelle and big ups Game Golf as we come. I'll to throw the end. another one that's very very fun. By the way, is the uh, Monopoly deal, which Go is on, like a, a card game version of Monopoly. Ooh, um, that sounds good because I feel like every time the suggestion of Monopoly comes to lock, it's like, oh, we gotta get the fucking yeah. board and the bits and the yeah. cards. Like the idea of it is still have the three locations, but you have cards where they're like, steal a property from another right. player or mm. steal a set from another player, but then they might have the like the block card, and so it's less right. about monotonously going around the board and it's more like fast paced and you can do a game in like 20 minutes and there's no oh i'll pay the bank back later house rules it's much easier to organize <laughs> and less annoying i'm gonna go on record here a bit of a spicy take gonna do it anyway card games way better than board games way better depends on the board game but yes no i mean it doesn't no, I'm, no, making, no, no. I, I, I'm making a broad <laughs> sweeping statement and i'm 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 making it mr I mean, I, mr fucking death stranding is the best story ever fucking told in a video game <laughs> I think as far as your, your your Cluedo and your Monopoly, I think that statement is true. But there's definitely board games out there. Like um, Ticket, Ticket to Ride is uh, really fun. <laughs> if you're not that. that's, that's a board game about trains. That's really fun. I would say, but the, thing, but the thing is, when you think about, okay, let's talk about the really good board games. They're all the easy, straightforward ones that, that could be boiled down even further, like Scrabble. Do you know I what I mean? That's like, I you love know. a bit of Scrabble, yeah. And with that, we will jump off our video and tabletop game segment. I'd actually like to get into more card and board games in general. Uh, you know, that flux sounds good. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago we pals over. We played Spyfall. It was really fun. It's like it's just sometimes it's just really hard to, to convince people that like, no, 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 this is gonna be good. This is gonna be good. I promise. This is not more shit cards against humanity. I promise. This is actually good. <laughs> Again, that might be where Batman is is a kind of gateway. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Uh, but we will move on to emails. We got some emails this week. I've got one from Scott, the boy, McAvoy. He is back. He says, good evening, Barry, with Big Swole not having our contract renewed with AEW. News segment for you there, folks. Uh, are we starting to see the thinning of the talent pool there? It makes me wonder how many people have one or two-year deals with the company. And we'll start seeing them future endeavored. Uh, it also makes me wonder if the rumor article that floated around that Vince was releasing a lot of talent to flood AEW were more true than false. He's also given me a pick one. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, I, th- I think the swole thing is interesting. I think I think we are definitely at the beginning of um, the beginning of the end of a lot of those early contracts. Um, 
you know, your swoles of the world, the people that, you know, at the end of the day, when AEW started up and, and WWE was still in sign, 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 sign mode, uh, they signed a lot of people that I feel like now as a company, they've sort of grown out of. Now, I don't know if swole is necessarily that case because she also had some like health issues and stuff like that. I'm actually not sure what her... Uh, I don't know what her, her future in wrestling looks like, to be quite honest with you. Um, uh, but yeah, I think we are absolutely at the start of of that because uh, you might have like forgotten it because it was such an obvious thing that was going to happen. But the Young Bucks did also just announce that they had re-signed. Mm. So it's like we are at so like November, December, Christmas time might maybe contract period for, for AEW. So yeah, I, I'm absolutely... And, and it's like, you know, uh, if you've got the influx that they have incoming, then, you know, obviously you don't want to get rid of all your homers, you know, your, 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 your OGs, but yeah, you know, you know, when, 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 when people are knocking down your door to come in, I think you, you can let those, uh, uh, you can let a certain number of the originals go. I mean, the whole thing about, oh, is Vince trying to flood him? I mean, I, that's Vince spin. I have no interest in, in even acting like that's even a good strategy. Like, oh no, Vince, we don't want Kevin Steen and Johnny Gargano. No, don't release them, Vince. I don't want them. Like you, you do want them. I'm sorry. You know, I was about to, I was about to say Alex Reynolds. That's really harsh. He's on TV, but not him. But like, you know, yeah, you can just let some of the dark, you know, and dark elevation fodder go. Mm. Um, I've I've never really, uh, you know, I think Khan himself had the most interesting topic on that, which is that the, the, the roster is basically never full. If there's someone we want, we will get them, you know. Um, mm. But yeah, no, but we are at, I think we are for sure at the um, uh, the beginning of, of a little bit of, I would say, a, a moving on period for the... Uh, the OGs. What about any any other any other points on that, lads? Before the pick one. No, it'd be interesting to see the kind of PR reaction because they've not really got they've not got rid of anyone mm. for a couple of years apart from old uh, what's his name Matey there the uh, oh what's his name Mister Hardcore British Man Havoc Jimmy Jimmy Johnny Havoc <laughs> Hardcore British Man uh, Johnny <laughs> Jimmy Havoc Yeah. Um, yeah. Apart from it, yeah, they don't, they've not really got rid of anyone, so they haven't had that backlash that WWE gets when they release a bunch of people. Yeah. It'll be interesting once they start releasing people, whether they do it in a way that's quite PR-friendly and so it's mutual and, um, yeah, how that goes. But I don't think... They're not going to do massive releases like WWE does for budget reasons, so they're obviously not going to have the same kind of, uh, same kind of backlash. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, the pick one here this is a good one I think uh, AJ Styles Ooh. Kenny Omega Finn Balor not Balor I straight away yeah, <laughs> love, love Balor but no I don't think so yeah. I, I'll, I'll jump in with AJ there okay but mostly for his his TNA his TNA days before he was uh, fake Ric Flair Christian's lackey I'm talking like 2004, 2005 era. Back when he was doing triple threat Ultimate X matches with Petey Williams and Chris Saban, the good old good old days. Mm. It was no better. There was no better than him. And let's not forget Turning Point against Samoa Joe, the best match. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'd also for Styles. I think just on the strength of his WWE. Yeah, I mean, before I gave up watching uh, their product completely, <laughs> he had so many good matches, you know, um, in those first couple of years there. And then all the TNA stuff. So, yeah, uh, definitely AJ. As much as I like, I do like Kenny now, but 
still AJ for me. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a trifecta. I'm going to say AJ as well. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much, Scott, for the email. Uh, okay. I, I've got a couple of emails. Go for okay. it, um, So the first one is from Will. Uh, movies movies to be buried with. <laughs> um, so this is what we did last week. So Paul posed the questions to me last week. So this time, um, Will has sent them to me. He says, here are the questions for you to host. You can ask Barry or Paul, um, perhaps with some just- justification for each answer. I'm going to ask Barry, so then when we do it, the third one, Barry can, can ask Paul. And we'll complete the, the triangle. Okay. Um, so, Barry, the questions on movies to be buried with. So, first movie you remember seeing? Uh, the animated Jungle Book. Nice. Scariest film you've seen? Oh, God. Um... Oh, Hereditary. Okay, funniest film. Oh, God. I could try and not pick something really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> um, Dude, where's my car? <laughs> I'm actually trying to think. God, I can't remember the last time I saw a really fucking hilarious. I'll just say 22 Jump Street. That's good. A uh, film you loved as a kid and think is shit now. A baby Stay Out. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, <laughs> film people hate but you love. Uh, Spring Breakers. That's a good answer. Um, film people love, but you hate. Uh, whoa, just because I suppose recency is playing as this, but Mank. Okay. Worst film you've ever seen? Oh, God. Uh, Slender Man. Oh, Jesus. Uh, film that means something special to you. Oh God! Um, Wally. Okay. Um, film you relate to the most? <laughs> could also be Wally. We could also, yeah, I'll say Wally again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sexiest film you've ever seen? Uh boah. Sexiest film. <laughs> I can only think of joke answers. Um, uh. um, <laughs> now my brain is. I, I, I have to say showgirls. Oh, that was like the least sexy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm, perhaps most sex. <laughs> I actually can't. Th- I cannot think of a, a like what I would describe as extremely sexy in a in an unironic, legitimate way. I can't think of one. I cannot yeah. think of one. Uh, best case of cinematography. Oh God, that's so fucking hard. Um, Jesus, that's hard. Um. Sicario. Okay. Uh, favorite film? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nice. And movie that made you cry the most? Oh God. Um, considering how how well it does on repeat viewings, I I I probably have to say Inside Out. So no, okay. uh, I was hoping for Showgirls again. There. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that was great. Thank you, Will. I'm sure we'll get another one of those next week. Thanks, Will. 
fair as a gift to Paul. Uh, my second email from Scott McAvoy. Uh, good evening, Joe. The conversation you and Paul had about nudity in movies and oh. travel brochures made me, <laughs> made me think of how the first time I ever saw a topless woman on TV was thanks to British TV. Ooh. This was back in the late 70s, and one of my small local stations had a couple of British shows on uh, late night, past my bedtime. Prisoner <laughs> Cell Block H, um, which is where I learned to, learned to forge names, and Benny Hill, which over here they had taken his specials and cut them up into half-hour shows, and 40 years later I can still remember seeing a woman looking out of the window on the show and taking her bra off. Saucy. Um, Considering nudity was not allowed on broadcast TV, it was quite the pleasant surprise. Um, he also goes on, Paul talks about his home improvement project last week. What home improvements have you done on your house? Replace the sink, install new cabinets, anything else? Um, well, as I spoke about a few weeks ago, we, we redid the kitchen. Um, it's quite a big project. Obviously, I didn't do it myself entirely. My dad did it. Um, but other than that, I'm more, of a, I'm more of a painter and decorator. I'm not great at like plum, electric and plumbing and all that. There's a chance I will just kill myself or flood the place. <laughs> so I'm, um, so we paint, done painting, decorating, and that's probably as, as far as I would go. Me, um, and it's final. He's got a quick pick one movie year edition. So we've got, and I've got the letterbox open already. We've got 1997, and I will tell you what I've got in 1997. I've got Goodwill Hunting, uh, Bean, the ultimate disaster movie. <laughs> <laughs> also uh, uh, candidate for the sexiest film of all time <laughs> uh, Donnie Brasco Gattaca Jackie mm. Brown The Full Monty uh, Game Men in Black Boogie Nights uh, many others Austin Powers Copland mm. Titanic LA Confidential Fifth Element blah 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 in 2000 we've got Memento Snatch mm. Final Destination Battle Royale American Psycho X-Men Gladiator uh, Billy Elliot, Meet the Parents, Scary Movie, a few others. And then 2004, The Born Supremacy, Shaun of the Dead, Layer Cake, Dead Man's Shoes, The Day After Tomorrow, National Treasure, uh, Supersize Me, Saw, Mean Girls, Spider-Man 2, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Mulholland Drive, uh, Team America, World Police, Collateral, The Aviator, Million Dollar Baby, The Incredibles, uh, and a few others, The Village, iRobot, Terminal, Napoleon Dynamite. So for me, I'm going to have, as 97 and 2000, both have got some real good contenders in there, but 2004, um, in terms of depth, is the one I'm going to go for, because that is, it's got some really good movies in there. Hmm. I'm looking at my own lists here. Um, 97 for the most part for me is middling. Uh, mm. The top movies are Goodwill Hunting, as you mentioned, Joe, uh, Princess Mononoke, uh, LA Confidential, and Liar Liar, which I, I rate. Don't, mm. at, don't at me on that one. Uh, 2000. That was the middle one you said, 2000, yeah? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Meet the Parents, Memento, Snatch, X Men. American Psycho, which we all love, of course. Chicken Run. Uh, and then 2004. Yeah, I've got a lot more high-rated 2004 movies. Shaun of the Dead, Le Coriste, Born Supremacy, The Village, Collateral, Team America, Finding Neverland, Anchorman, Spider-Man 2, Before Sunset, Primer, Hellboy, Shaun of the Dead, 
uh, one of the Harry Potters. I can't tell which one it is. <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban, the best yeah, one. Yeah, Azkaban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also the well-scored Godzilla Final Wars. Uh, and Life Aquatic with Z- Steve Zizou and Howl's Moving Castle. And National Treasure. And the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, the good one. So yeah, I'll go 2004. I have a lot of 2004. I was thinking 04 based on the list initially, yeah. yeah. Nice. Those are my emails. Right, I have one from El Hijo del Scott McAvoy Jr. Uh, worst year for movies, question mark. Good evening. Oh. Was 2020 the worst year for movies? Uh, 2020. I don't, mean, I don't mean financially. I mean, we know that is true. I mean, in just the quality of movies being released, with the exception of Knives Out, the list of movies in the top 15 is just dreadful. Uh, Sonic, Rise of Skywalker, Birds yeah. of Prey, Doolittle, Absolute Track. Well, Rise of Skywalker depending 19. On your, is nine, 2019, depending on your uh, definition mm. of like, it was out in 20, it was in cinemas in 2020, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wasn't, I think Knives Out was 19 as well, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know when Sonic came out or Birds of Prey, which I know Barry Barry liked Birds of Prey. I didn't really care for Birds of Prey. I am. Um, um, it's it's interesting. I've I've long since thought so far this year. Now it's getting a little bit better as I'm doing a little bit of a cleanup. Yeah. I think 2021 has sucked. I think it's largely been shit, <laughs> to, to be honest. Like, as I say, you know, doing a bit of cleanup, Shiva Baby, absolutely love. That's top five for me. So I, I think I think this year has not been great. I'm looking at 2020, though, and I, 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 I you know, I mean, there were some stinkers, don't get me wrong. Uh, the entire world tried to convince me Nomadland was good. I'm not having it. Um, uh, <laughs> although, who am I to talk? Because I was one of the few people who thought the Wonder Woman sequel was good. I like that movie. Uh, well, let me give you just just that we can run through right my we'll do my top 15 movies from 2020 go on and i don't know do I, we can come or we'll do top 10 okay we can, com- we can compare it with with 2019 and 2021 okay okay uh, so 2020 and keeping in mind that the way i do it is by release date in ireland so there might be one or two that okay we're not going to be aligned here i'd imagine but go on Christmas, but that's fine um, for the most part, they'll be they'll be aligned. So, twenty twenty, I have number ten is the Godfather Part Three Coda, mm-hmm. the new the new edit they released. Number nine, Invisible Man. Mm. Uh, number eight, Anelka Misunderstood, which is a football mm-hmm. documentary. Number seven, Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, Richard Jewell. Uh, number five, Tenet. Mm. Number four, The Kid Detective. Yeah. Yeah. Number three, World of Tomorrow, episode three, The Absent Destinations of David Prime. Huh? Number th- <laughs> That's a, a Don Hertzfeld animated short. Uh, number two, 1917. Yes, yeah. And, and number one, The Lighthouse. Yeah, uh, okay. So not about this, but if we go to 2020, I think it's, it's stronger than 2021, actually. 2021, albeit the year's not over, I have Shang-Chi at number 10. Oof. Um... I have Zack Snyder's Justice League at nine. I can't believe every time I look at my list, I'm like, that movie did come out and was good, and it's in my, it's highly ranked by me as well. I'm like, yeah. Uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines at eight. Dune at seven. F nine. It's Fast and Furious nine at six. Mm. Uh, Jungle Cruise at five. No Time to Die at four. The Father at three. Green Knight at two, and French Dispatch at one. Mm. Um, Jungle Cruise in your Jungle Cruise is in your top. I know. I feel like that's uh, back to my hypothesis of twenty one being bad. 
Yeah, and my my 2019 list, I think the uh, the 20 to 11 would be a stronger 10 films than either of the top 10 from the other years. But my top 10 for 2019 are The Irishman, uh, At Eternity's Gate, Anima, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Under the Silver Lake, St. Maud, Knives Out, and Parasite. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a downturn in 2020. I mean, Rise of Skywalker was was absolutely dreadful. Um, Sonic, I don't think was as bad, but Sonic was was what it was. I also wouldn't highly rank it. It was a lot better than it, you know. Yeah, I didn't care for Birds of Prey, as I said. I didn't see it do little, but apparently it was it was absolute absolute shit. Yeah. <laughs> um. So was 2020 the worst year for movies? Yes. <laughs> Is the answer. No. Well, I'd say yes, so that's two to one. So It was probably the worst year since, I don't know, 1924 or something. <laughs> when were um, movies invented? Well, whenever that film came out of, of uh, people coming out of a factory, what a load of shite that was. <laughs> I, 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 I'm fine. I've got that. I'm getting my, I'm getting my 2020 list up here now because this is, I'm, 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 I'm adamant that it was way better than, than, than 21. Uh, let me see here. Like there's a lot, I, like so at the top of my list, lots of really great stuff. But even looking further down, there's like lots of really good, fun stuff from from 2020. The Hunt, Freaky, Promising Young Woman, Saint Maud, Spree, Birds of Prey, obviously, which I liked. Uh, Wolf Walkers, Borat Two, My Wife. Remember My Wife? Oh, great, that was yeah, great. Oh, that came back. Uh, I read, I read My Wife below Cage Fighter in 2020's list. By the way, just uh, but, but Money Plane, which I also saw with uh, extraction, Sound of Metal, Kid Detective, Soul, The Five Bloods, The Invisible Man, Color Out of Space, His House. These are all great films. Um, there, there was good stuff in there for sure. Uh, like, tw- like I'm looking at like 21, and it's like spoilers for our year end show. Uh, but it's like, and again, we've got some. With me and Paul will have these categorized differently based on year. I go general release anywhere in the world is what I what I count. So like. Minari, Last Night in Soho, Shiva Baby, Malignant, and uh, straight away, like I loved Malignant, but there's people who tell you if that's one of the best movies of the year, it's been a terrible year. I have it at eleven, just missed out my top ten. Uh, Suicide Squad, Inside, Bo Burnham, I have that. The Father, Bad Trip, Judas and the Black Messiah, Dune, Green Knight, Candyman, and it's like this is my own personal list. I'm just gonna go. These are all good, but the best films of a year, like you know. Um, yeah, Justice League, of course. You know, um, I had Shang Chi at, at seventeen. Um, I think I, th- I suppose my problem more is that I. It's maybe when I look at the twenty twenty list, when I get to the bottom half of it, I'm like, these are all still mostly good. But then again, I look at the bottom half of the twenty twenty one list, I'm like, this is some absolute dreck. House of Gucci, Conjuring Three, Black Widow, Mortal Kombat, Eternals, ha- Halloween Kills, Don't Breathe Two, the first Fear Street film, all absolute fucking dog shit. Um, <laughs> I, I was just gonna uh, segue into well, let's look at the worst films that I was using. I'll just give you my worst film of each year, right? Okay, uh, twenty nineteen, Harriet. Never Oscar, saw it. Oscar nominated. Big old Stephen Potter shite. Uh, 2020, The Wrong Missy. <laughs> I don't know what oh, these are. I don't know what these are. That's a Adam Sandler produced Netflix one starring oh, David Spade and... Oh, God. Lupkus or whatever her name is. David and Spade. Of, holy shit. And of course, 2021, Free Guy. Yeah, my bottom three for 21 are Free Guy, Tom and Jerry, and Space Jam. I mean... And I also, I, I also hate the, like Tom and Jerry and Space Jam. I hate the excuse of oh well they're kids movies. Like no, they 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 are so shite beyond even the level of a child's film. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 
anyway. Scott continues, since we're running a bit long here. You also mentioned two weeks ago that you had seen the remake of Psycho, but not the original. I must have misspoke, because I've only seen the original. I've not seen the remake. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. I don't know, but uh, maybe uh, I misspoke, or maybe I was misunderstood. But I know Vince Vaughn is in the remake. I've never seen mm. it. Uh, I, I've only seen the original, and it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, which made me wonder, what other remakes have you seen without seeing the original? Or do you tend to see the original if you're going to see a movie you knew was a remake? Does knowing the movie is a remake change your thoughts on, on the film? And he spells film, F-I-L. <laughs> um, there are definitely films that I've seen that are remakes without having seen the original. I guess this is more often true of adaptations of films from other countries or languages. Oh yeah, or, uh, I think the most the most obvious example. Most people probably haven't seen the original Scarface. I would imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. Little uh, Shop as well. Yeah. Um, Star is born. Star is yeah, born. A great one. Many yeah. of the previous Star is born versions. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, those are those are. Um, I don't think I've seen any previous film of the many titled The Invisible Man. I don't think I've seen any of <laughs> No. Um, um, I didn't. I haven't seen the original Mummy. I, I didn't see the first Captain America movie. <laughs> well, I, I hadn't seen the 1954 Godzilla when I saw the 98 one, and I hadn't seen it when I saw the 2014 Godzilla either. But I have since gone back to watch it. But to answer the question, I will generally not be fussed about seeing no. the original unless it's a like really if I hear it's a really direct thing that maybe would change my mind or I was having a conversation recently about um Cowboy Bebop someone was going to watch the new Netflix version I was like have you mm-hmm. we were saying have you seen the original uh and he said no it's like well that might be one where if the if a remake of something doesn't have as much gas behind it as as an original um, I still think of a movie off the top of my head that's similar, but like, I don't know, if someone came to me and was like, Paul, I'm gonna I'm finally gonna do it, I'm gonna watch 12 Angry Men, the 1997 TV movie version, uh, and I haven't seen the 1957 Sydney Lummet version, I would say uh, probably watch the original one before you watch the uh, James Galdafini version, it's <laughs> quite as good, mate um, but otherwise it doesn't really enter my enter my brain it's like they're they they are two different things you know even with dune most recently i, I haven't seen the david lynch version i don't think it's necessary to see or i don't think it would have changed my mind on, on the new one uh, and then a quick pick one for this week aj lee alexa bliss page aj lee page i was gonna go alexa bliss there you go wow we're split <laughs> I just like her music when the the one they used to go um like oh like she's she's still a cheerleader but then went wah, wah, bah, 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 yeah yeah I li- I was like that I didn't like when oil came out of her eyes at WrestleMania well of course but, not but, no we are cool. we are sensible men here as we as we are running late here do we have any quick takes on AEW this week yes all you said you have given out to do what are you giving out about now you grumpy little fucking <laughs> <laughs> ring announcing Barry. Uh, oh, Dasha? No, I like Dasha. Oh, okay. And I, and I like Justin, but what I don't like is when they say uh, wrestlers' music. I don't know. Sarah, Miedo, Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, on his way to the ring, he is a bastard. Yeah. Pa- just call him 
Ladies and gentlemen, he's on the way to ring the bastard Pac. I hate this. He is or what Dasha did on what Dasha did on. I think it was Rampage this week. He calls himself the bastard. No, all right, we're doing. We're not doing. He is or he calls himself anymore. Okay? He calls himself the bastard. That's you know that's his nickname. So he's the bastard Pac. Okay, let's enough of this stupid overplayed over-described ring entrances just do the bastard. I know I'm using Pac as an example here, but every time they come out and they do he is, or or from wherever. I was just about to ask! You can't possibly hate that. That's good. Why? No, no, no. Right. I, I like the from wherever way whatever, but they don't do it right. They don't do it right. The gimmick is, right, and here's how if, <coughs> Paul Paul in his little audition here. Let me, let me the tie on. I wasn't expecting this. Here's how you do Justin Roberts. If you listen, here's how you do, here's how you do the Orange Cassidy ring, ring announcement correctly. Okay, knowing what the gimmick is, right? On his way to the ring from wherever, weighing whatever, Orange Cassidy. He goes weighing whatever from. Wherever it's like no, the point is he's a slacker. It's supposed to be. Oh, hang whatever. on, I have to no, challenge you on this. You, I feel like you're 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 fucking you're double you're 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 getting confused here. You're annoyed. You're you're annoyed that they're adding a little bit of flavor and saying he calls himself the yeah. bastard. But yet you want you want Roberts to do the Orange Cassidy gimmick while reading his name. Surely you don't want him saying whatever. You want him say you want him being an announcer saying weighing whatever. Yeah, but that goes against the point of the whatever gag. But the point the point of the of the pock thing is that that's just his gimmick. He calls himself the bastard. Does he? Does he call himself the bastard? He does. Oh yeah, oh, I'm a right God. bastard. Okay. He, he calls himself a bastard. Sure, but without getting into like tenuous, it should be like UFC. <laughs> I, I, oh yeah. that road. Okay, I don't want to go that, that road. Oh. But like, I, I, I have to imagine Bruce Buffer going. He calls himself the Spider Anderson Silva. I was like, I don't know, just something about that extra step into the silliness of elongating the nickname announcement. I, I find just very annoying. Pack, pack. I'm, I'm sorry to, to little Ben Sattery that he's found himself as the uh, <laughs> wow, the, the example here. Yeah, wow. I'm shooting brothers. I'm shooting brothers. Real, this, this is how you know it's real. real. He calls himself a Slattery. <laughs> Sattery, I think you find it is. Or no Sattery with Noel. Apologies, Ben. Um, I don't know. I just find it really annoying whenever. And and of course, the worst culprit of this is the the North Carolina thing they do for Omega every time. He's a heel, fair enough. But um, I, I just I think that's know. a stupid joke. I just I don't like that. But I just think it's a. I just think it's. I don't know. I I find that he is, or he he calls himself to be fair, is worse than he is. Because if he calls himself the bastard, then yeah, then just that's his nickname. Just call him the, the bastard pack. Yeah, he calls himself has a, has a has a WWE stink to it to me. He calls himself the fiend. Okay, well, why are you explaining to me that he calls himself that? Just use that as his nickname. Well, the just WWE the, the fiend the WWE announcing stink issue that I had on this show was was feeling the need to reiterate multiple times that everything is legal in a street fight. 
Um, oh, I didn't even notice that. I I I, I have noticed I'm it because it's it's a trope I hate in WWE, and I've no I have noticed it creeping in 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 AEW. Like someone will do a weapon shot, and they'll go, "Oh, well, you know, that's legal." It's like, yeah, I know it's legal. The Belgian okay. ring, the match is going on. Also, they're rolling around in shit and hitting each other with shit constantly. I know, I know what the match is. Uh, anyway, uh, any other things you want to have a whinge about? Cody was on fire. Yeah, that was cool though. So. Yeah, he is desperate to get people cheering for him. Are you are you are you, are you going to be like Wade Keller and be like stank of desperation or whatever he said? <laughs> it did a bit. It did it's a bit. Stank of the greatest smell in the world, Wade, which is lighter fluid. <laughs> I, I think I think it's quite funny how Cody. I, I have to think it's intentional at this point, or or it's an amazing level of just not getting it. Yeah. I can I, I think it can't be that level of not getting it. I think it, it has to be intentional, right? It has to be intentional that that Brandy came out in like a hood for some reason, and then immediately unveiled it's me. Like what? Why did it? They did that before with someone. That someone came in in a hood. Tully did Tully do that once? Was it Tully? It might have been Tully. I think that rings a bell. Yes, you know he 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 came in and he like did the spike pile driver with the mask on. It's like oh is that Tully? And then he took it off. It's like oh yeah okay. But what's it the is. point of the mask? Like yeah, I, why did she have the hood and mask on when she just rolled into the ring and immediately took it off? There was no. It's like is the point of the hood and mask is a mystery person comes in attacks someone and then when they're up the ramp they go oh, it was me. What's the point of coming in with the mask and immediately taking it off and going, it's me, Brandy, uh, fire, lighter? I think to, to, I think the point, but it's, I agree with your general point, I think the idea is that I don't want to get a little pop as people notice and then a smaller one when they when I'm in the ring and everyone sees me. It's like to conserve the pop until she takes it off, I think is the idea. Yeah, but that breaks the... Uh, the well, also, who cares? It's Brandy Rose. Thing, thing, you know? Well, that's the point of of it being intentional, surely, is, is that people already kind of resent the the pushing of Brandy Rhodes as the cool Cody Rhodes second. Yeah. yeah. Because, and to, it, I don't think it's, it's even fully fair to her, but she evokes Stephanie McMahon feelings. And I'm sure that's where a lot of the resentment comes from. Well, calling, I mean, her call, being assigned the chief brand officer role, fair enough, she might have legitimate interests in having that role in the company, but it is kind of, it was kind of crazy that they did that, given that Stephanie's title in WWE, but you know. Um, anyway. And the fact that she came out with the lighter fluid, yeah, it's it's like a desperation. I think that's fair to say. Um, but he landed and was on fire. Uh, I think he's a crazy man for doing it. And that match was really fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, uh, Rampage this week was like the most boring good show ever. Um <laughs> Yeah, I know. Exactly. I like I like having a thing to fire up on Saturday morning, and it's usually it's most it's basically always good at the very least. There was like one episode I thought stank, but it's the 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 idea that this is supposed to be like year two thousand SmackDown, you know, and I, so it, like it's I don't want to make the over the top exaggeration and say it's velocity. It's obviously not velocity. No. It is more than that, but it's not Friday Night Dynamite. It's not Dynamite on a second night of the week. It's just not. No. Mm. Um, you you can't you're not going to be able to, to to convince me of that anytime soon. But that's um, also partially due to some of the booking decisions they've made, such as Sammy Guevara being the TNT champion. Yeah, um, if you had Miro on on Rampage defending the TNT title, that's oh, suddenly a thing. That's the uh, That that Sammy Tony Nice match was was so boring. 
so boring. And and they they replay that segment again from the previous week. Of <laughs> Sammy acting like a complete dick. And and then they had in Tony Nese interviews, and he's just the most bland, boring man in the world with his little bland haircut. He's like a Lego man. Yeah. And uh, and they proceeded to have a match that I didn't care about. And I don't know. Sammy Sammy to me is one of the the most bungled pushes, if you want to call it that, or, or booking, I think, of a talent in AEW. Um, he's, he's undeniably over, but every time I see him, being in Inner Circle does nothing for him. Having beaten Miro, I think, has actually turned out to be a net negative, yeah. uh, both both for him and the belt. Um, I, I think the belt has lost a lot of its luster since then. Yeah, and, um, I think I think a, a, a sizable name should beat Sammy. Um, yeah. Maybe after he, I don't think he's beat. He's beating Hangman. Maybe Brian after that. I mean, just I mean, I'm sure actually there's probably plans for him to go back to Kenny or something like that. But once you get all your big stuff out of the way for Brian, him as the guy having a TNT match every week would be tremendous. Yeah, I agree. Um, Sammy. Yeah, I I I agree completely on basically everything. Uh, plus, he like, is it seems like they're, a dickhead. They're, it seems like they're trying to do a thing where they're trying to make like rampage like Jade's show. It's like what, where she has ten second matches every week? Like, oh, that's so funny when they brought they announced that Thunder Rosa was going to be on commentary for that match. The match went thirteen seconds. Yeah, <laughs> before you know, it, she's she's doing grab, hold me back, taking her earrings off, running out to have a fight. Which Ricky Starks asked, "Why does everyone do that?" Um, he's good, and I like him, and I like Taz. But I don't like. Why is AEW averse to having two people on commentary? I don't understand what that, why, why that is. I don't know. Um, at least we didn't have constant Jericho this week. Um, he was in the UK. Is he on tour? Uh, he was in Dublin. Oh, was he? Uh, he was in Dublin at one stage. Yeah, he's go running against OTT. Funnily enough. Oh my god! Um, I, forgot, I forgot they were on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think a lot of people did. Um, um, also, can I just say another thing that another thing that Paul doesn't really like or get? Lee Moriarty. Why not? I don't yeah, know. Right. I don't know what it is about him. He just the way he moves or or what it is, but he, I don't know. He seems like not the full package yet to me. Oh well, I think that's fair. I mean, he is young and new. Um, he's also he he was a, he was an interesting one um, uh, uh, for AEW to sign because he's a, li- a little bit like Garcia, who I I prefer Garcia, but I think they yeah, are, me too. I think they are of the the same ilk in that they're both super talented wrestlers. But I was a bit surprised when they signed JW because they I wouldn't just peg them as television wrestlers. They're very grappling oriented and uh, math based. I don't think I don't, we got a little bit of it in the Punk match. I don't think Moriarty's had a chance really to do a lot of that stuff. Um, but I think AEW is making a very deliberate push. I mean, we see it a lot with Garcia to say, look, we, we're going to have this style on our show and we're, we're going to make this a style that people watch on television, which I think is cool. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think Moriarty is the greatest in the world, but I, I like him. He is also very young. He is new. Yeah, um, to give him the benefit of that, that is true. I, I don't know I, whether it's his stuff is too flowy or what exactly. Is, maybe to nail down, but I, I think I, I think the punk match will probably be his peak for the foreseeable future because he is probably going to be a YouTube guy for a while, and then I'd imagine, like Daniel Garcia, he'll probably float onto television every now and then when they want to, you know, uh, mix things up a bit. But yeah, you know, I thought that, I thought the punk match was good, but it was you know, 
I think it was hurt by the fact that the crowd wasn't great this week. And then it was kind of like, okay, you put Punk there in there with a guy that you just signed who had a little bit of buzz on the indies, but he was not exactly, you know, Eddie Kingston. He's not some really, really well-known, notorious indie wrestler. And the crowd yeah, didn't know who he was. So the, the crowd didn't help at all for that match, yeah. um, which did hurt. And then the last thing to touch on, which I also wasn't a fan of, because it's that week, isn't it? Um, Malachi Black doing the the gouging out pox eye, eye for an eye match. Yeah, the old the old eye gimmick. Mm-hmm. He missed him in the good eye. Yeah, and it was a bit much. He had blood on his hand from the eye, lad. I I didn't like it when WWE did it. Albeit they did it with a, a comical fake eye, <laughs> fake eye. But oh, this just made me think about that's that's a that's a bad road to be going there. Yeah, no, that's fair. Anyway. And anyway. also, Justin Roberts, I'm watching you, so come on, roll it in. I just have one thought. Uh, Sting is great, and I fucking love Sting. Sting's very good. Sting. I love his backhand punch he does for some reason. Oh, he's, just, he's like the anti-Goldberg. Yeah, I saw I saw a, was maybe a tweet today that he is, or maybe he's on Reddit. Uh, Sting is older now than Patterson and Briscoe were when they were the students. <laughs> God, they were really old looking. Yeah. God, God. But that's because we're old now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're not wrong we'll there. About, we won't talk about that, brother. Young at heart, am I right? Um, and with that depressing uh, note to go out on... <laughs> Uh, we um, will call it there for another week. We'll be back. I suppose we, we usually take Christmas week off. So we've got two episodes left for the year, I suppose. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to figure out a little uh, little Christmas present to be under their tree like we do every year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll put our, we'll put our thinking. We'll, 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 we'll figure that out. Um, uh, but for now, we will say thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you for emailing. If you do want to email cheshirepodcast.com, there's a little email form you can go on there. There is. Uh, and you can pop us a question, pop us a pick one, pop us an opinion, pop us a whatever you want to do. Got any movies of the year, games of the year, TV shows of the year, takes? Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to hear of the years, uh, maybe before or after we give ours. That'd be interesting. Uh, so yeah, do get in touch and uh, we'll be back next week with more of everything you got this week but refreshed seven days later. Uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's goodbye from me, Barry. It's goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. Yeah.